In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about bloodlines, blood magic, bloody revenge, bloody deaths, and blood smut in our discussion of Empire of the Vampire by Jay Kristoff. Everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult and whoa, holy bonkers, adult, adult, adult uh, <laughs> books, series, and authors, and voice actors, and all of that jazz that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire, and today we're going to discuss Empire of a Vampire by Jay Kristoff. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. I need to add a line to the disclaimer. If you haven't read or listened to this book, holy shit, go and do it right now. Oh my god, right now. Right now. Who cares that it's 27 hours long and the book is like 720 pages pages. (gasps) with illustrations go do it now you will not regret it and then come back and say thanks amanda and claire you guys are the best yeah yeah really you need to do that (laughs) um we also need to have another disclaimer for this one it is 98 percent cuss words yeah but, I mean, to be fair, so am I, so I think the listeners right? are used to it. Right, yeah, me. I mean, it's normal, but <laughs> but the book, I'm talking about the book, not not us and not our conversation, because it is always, you know, just full of fucks. But, <laughs> seriously, this book, it's just, it is adult. It's a, yeah. It is adult. It there is. There is no YA, there is no new adult, no. it is no. adult. You would, you would think, because of the adult content, this is me pushing it onto Amanda, but this is Amanda's pick for this month's book thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, so um, speaking of it not being a young adult book, oh my God, uh, my background <laughs> info, which I found so many good things that I wanted to share, but there's one thing that just, when I found it, it cracked me up. So that is what I'm going to share for our background info this time. And I might come back later and tell you the other things that I found. Um, but I just, I really want to share with everyone Jay Kristoff's own review from Goodreads. <laughs> it's very long, so just bear with me. And there's also lots of pictures and lots of gifts. So you should go and check it out. You should go and read it in person, but I'm going to read it to you right now. Empire of the Vampire is not a book for children. It's basically what would happen if Interview with the Vampire hooked up with Name of the Wind in an S&M club while all eight seasons of Game of Thrones streamed in the background consecutively, not simultaneously. It is not a book for children. It concerns an ex-monster slayer named Gabriel de Leon, who was once quite the awesome, but has been having a tough time of late and has become a bit of an edgelord. <laughs> more, hold on. He mostly gets away with his drunken I am the knight routine, because who doesn't <laughs> like a tall, dark, half-vampire dude with magic tattoos and a tragic past and beautiful hair? Honestly, that shit is money in the bank. Where's my Emmy? 
Before you ask, the vampires in it do not sparkle. <laughs> not that I have anything against vampires that sparkle. Anyone working in publishing in 2020 owes Stephanie Meyer an enormous debt of gratitude. I don't care if they were your jam. The Twilight books brought an entire generation of folks back to reading, and many of them stayed. Vampires aren't real. And if an author decides they sparkle in the sunlight or jizz rainbows when somebody plays Halsey on the radio, who gives a damn? Just say, as you like it, madame, and roll on with your day. But yeah, my vampires don't so much sparkle as murder you and your whole motherfucking family. And the only reason they pursue 16-year-old girls, or indeed anyone else in this book, is because vampires see them as food. Team Damon for life, BT-dub. This book is quite long. It's rather violent. It's somewhat gay. Like... Not orange is the new black gay, but you're talking to the man who wrote Mia fucking Corvere, which, oh my god, Mia fucking Corvere. I'm building up to it. Give me some goddamn credit. It is quite smutty and bloody. Blood smutty, if you will. Honestly, there's a blood-drinking blowjob scene in there, so if that's not your thing, just back slowly out of the room while avoiding eye contact. I won't be offended. It is, as I may have previously mentioned, not a book for children. It's pretty epic. Like, the best book I've ever written epic. I mean, fucking epic. But it's not a book for children. So if your bookstore puts it in the wrong section alongside Illuminate and you find your baby reading it whilst bleeding from the eyes, before you send me an angry email, please consider that I warned you. Hope you love it. (laughs) Sorry that was so long, but... Oh my that God. needs to be on the cover. That needs to be on the back of the cover. That needs to be the description of the book. I it don't does. need to know anything else. <sighs> to be yep. fair, I was sold on the premise of Gia Christoph and vampires. I didn't really need to know anything else. Right, yes. Yes, we've... Well, we've uh, you and I together have only talked one J. Christoph book. Yes. But... Hmm... Yeah. And everyone knows how I feel about Nevernight. So. I think we need to revisit those books. Just so I can cover myself in blood again for cosplay? I'm in. Yes. Sold. Sold to the lady (laughs) in Arkansas. (laughs) Oh, anyway. This is our podcast. We can cover whatever we like. It's true. We can do whatever we want. (laughs) All right. So, um, as... In that excruciatingly long thing that I read, this this book is really long. Um, mm-hmm. He had also mentioned in another interview that I read that it was pretty much 13 years in the making, which is wow. a very long time. And now it's going to take at least that long to discuss. We finished The Diviners very recently, so we, we, would, we, we are due to start another long summary. We are. And then the discussion is going to be even longer. Yeah. Selling kills. Yes. Yes. Buckle up. <sighs> All right. <laughs> Gabriel de Leon is met in his cell by Jean-Francois the Cold Blood. He wants to know about the Grail, and he wants to know Gabriel's story before the last of his line is gone. He gifts him with powdered blood of his maker, Margot, which Gabriel smokes, losing himself briefly. Then, 
begins telling the story of his birth and growing into a man. He has his mother's name, De Leon, because he's a bastard, born of a handsome, drunken blacksmith. When he was eight, the day star died, and the darkness began. And when he was 13, he saw his first vampire. (sighs) His sister, Amelie, and friend, Juliette, went missing and were killed by a vampire. Then they returned and killed Juliet's mother. At 13, Gabriel axed Juliet. Amelie attacked, but when Gabriel tried to get her off, her blood began to boil. His younger sister, Celine, ran to get help and others arrived then and set the vampires on fire. No one knew what happened or how Gabriel survived. His mother was never the same after that, and his stepfather's beatings and drinking got worse. When he was 15, his stepfather attacked, saying something about him being a bastard, and Gabriel knocked him back and cracked his head open, blood spilling across the floor. Gabriel was drawn to the blood for some reason. His mother told him something raged within him, but what, she couldn't say. Later, he went to make out with his girlfriend, Ilsa, And as they almost had sex, she told him they couldn't because she was on her blood. So he lowered his mouth down to her instead, relishing in the blood as fangs grew and he bit into her thigh. What is he? Did his sister's curse pass on to him or is he something else? (laughs) Angry men separated them and Gabriel ran home. His mother protective. His stepfather, not at all. The priest came to the house then, condemning him, but he attacked him and threw him back like he was nothing. Then riders came, silver saints, and they took Gabriel away to fight the dead. Capital D. Capital D. Dead. The silver saints were called that because their bodies were tattooed with silver ink, used as armour against the dead who feared it. Now Gabriel himself is covered, but the vampire interviewing him does not react to it. Because God hates Gabriel now more than he hates vampires, and his silver has no power. (sighs) I can't help but be like, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. As Gabriel travels with the Silver Saints, he learns about the cold bloods and that his true father was a vampire and what he is, a pale blood. His true father was a vampire and now he has his power running through his veins. He also learned about wretcheds and highbloods. Wretcheds are vampires that are basically zombies. They were people who were killed by vampires and then they died, but they returned after some time as a corpse and now they have no mental faculties. Highbloods are vampires who rise quickly after death and maintain their youth and beauty and minds. Like, you don't want to be a wretched, okay? No, no. It's almost ghoulish, isn't it? Yeah. The riders arrive at the monastery and meet the blacksmith who gives Gabriel a beautiful silver sword, which he names Lion Claw. He learns more about pale bloods and how they heal more quickly as they age. He also gets a steed and meets a beautiful sister novice, Astrid, who was beaten by the prioress for claiming the horse he chose was hers. After, Gabriel goes to Mass, where he gets his first silver tattoo on the palm of his left hand. 
and then an older member of the Silver Saints is killed in the same ritualistic manner as the ill-begotten son of their god in a ritual called the Red Rite. He is strapped to a wheel, ceremoniously lightly flared and burned. Then his throat is slit and he is tossed into the river below. His thirst for blood was overtaking his body, and he chose to die as a man rather than live than a vile beast. Oh, yeah. Next, Gabriel goes through a trial that will determine what his vampire father's line is. One of four, and the power that was bestowed upon him. The ability to read minds, the ability to control minds, the ability to control animals and see through their eyes, and a strength so great and rare that everyone fears it. Gabriel is given powdered vampire blood called Sanctus to strengthen him, and the test begins. A wretched is released on him, then beast dogs attack, then he's challenged to use his mind. No powers manifest, however, and he is declared a frail blood, someone whose vampire father wasn't strong enough to pass down a power. Oh no. After this, Gabriel stops telling the beginning of his story and moves on to the time when he finds the grail. He is a lord now with only his sword and his horse, and then many wretcheds attack, so they run. His horse falls and breaks his leg, so Gabriel must kill him. But his sword is also broken, and now she is speaking in his bloodthirst adult brain. He continues on, kills some wretcheds, and leaves some non-wretcheds to die. Steals another horse, and rides like hell to a town. In the town, he sees Chloe, a young girl from his first years of the Silver Saints. She asks if Astrid is with him, but no, he says, she is at home. Chloe is after the grail and, after he laughs at her, they are approached by the bishop of the village. He wants to talk to Gabriel, but he's belligerently drunk and a scuffle breaks out. Chloe describes him as the best of the Silver Saints, the Black Lion, with his sword, Ash Drinker, but he's not asking the best right now. He staggers up to bed. No, he's not at his best. Oh my gosh, I remember listening to this. When Ash Drinker starts talking, and I'm like, wait, is the sword talking to him? What is happening? Do you remember in Hugh Frame Roger Rabbit when the sword comes out, the singing sword, and it's literally singing? That popped in my head. <laughs> Gabriel wakes in the middle of the night to a vampire with long, dark hair floating outside his window. Pale and cold and gorgeous. He lets her in and gets a vampire blowjob and a violent bite. He wakes up later, summoned by the bishop. A coach has arrived, driven by cold bloods. Literally, vampires pulling the coach instead of horses. And one of them is Danton Voss, the prince of forever, son of the forever king. Gabriel smokes some of his sanctus and goes out to meet them, thinking that they're there for him. But they're not. They are after a boy in Chloe's group that left looking for the grail. The Coldbloods do not realise who Gabriel is until he unsheathes Ash Drinker and almost kills them all. He doesn't kill Danton, but he does cut his arm off. Yes. (laughs) Danton says he'll regret it as Gabriel pulls the heart out of Danton's female companion. Then he takes off after Chloe, who he finds with her crew surrounded by wretcheds. Gabriel goes to help, but they're soon overwhelmed. 
then a high blood female comes to help yeah the priest mm. in the group Rafa tries to banish her and Sauce, the red lioness butcher comes to attack the vampire but she bursts into red moths and flies away excellent imagery oh my god Chloe gets bit but Gabriel tends to her wounds as he is introduced to her crew all except the boy that Danton was after the priest tells a tale of the grail a prophecy and the boy Dior knows where it is and the forever king knows he knows which is why he sent his younger son Danton after them Chloe talks about Astrid and how she wishes she were there to convince Gabriel to believe in the grail and help he tells her that they have been married for 11 years and they have a daughter patience then he agrees to ride with them for a little while Jean-Francois doesn't like the way the story is going how it skipped from Gabriel starting with the Silver Saints and meeting Astrid and now they're married with a daughter that's not how stories are told they take a story break for the vampire to get a kiss from his servant aka he drinks her blood Gabriel feels extreme thirst and arousal but refuses to drink from her as well they return to the story back to when Gabriel was 15 and training with the Silver Saints. Everyone bullies him and then he gets another tattoo from Astrid which makes him feel immense pain but also arousal because of how she looks at him. Teenage boys, eh? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's just got to be a walking erection. <laughs> I at think all he times. is at all I'm pretty, times. I'm pretty sure he is. He is. Not long after this, Greyhand, a leader of the Silver Saints and Gabriel's mentor, comes in declaring it's time for a hunt. They train some after this, and we learn that Coldbloods have their own rules they have to follow. They can't cross running water, can't enter without being invited, can't walk on holy ground or stand to see holy objects. The group going out on the hunt talks about how winter is coming and the rivers will freeze soon, which isn't going to be good. They also talk about Fabian Ross, the Forever King, and his seven hybrid children, and how they have to kill them all. They travel to a town where they're summoned to a home to investigate an ill woman with a dead son. She has bite marks and is clearly being visited by her vampire son. They go into a crypt in search of vampires, and Gabriel doesn't listen to Greyhand when he's told to stand guard, and instead follows him deeper into the crypt. Greyhand is fighting highbloods who don't seem to want to hurt anyone, but then another vampire shows up. Gabriel ruins the fight, and one of the vampires gets away. As punishment, he's sent back to keep watch over the ill woman. Oh, Gabriel. Oh, come on, man. The priest he does comes... not listen. He does not listen to anyone. He does not. He... Glory and fortune, kid. <laughs> A priest comes by to chat, but is actually thralled by the vampire son and poisons Gabriel and lets the son in through the window. Come Didn't on. we say? Didn't we say? Come on. There's another fight wherein the boy's father is killed by the mother for attacking their vampire son. The son attacks Gabriel, who burns the boy's arm and boils his blood. Somehow. Greyhound returns and kills the boy and congratulates Gabriel for doing whatever he did. It's the same thing he did to his sister, though. Mm. Two weeks travel later and they're back at San Michon with the boiled boy and another vampire. They strap them to a machine that pumps out their blood to use for Sanctus. And Greyhand and Talon discuss 
in secret with Gabriel eavesdropping the boiled boy's wounds and how they still have not healed. Greyhand surmises that Gabriel could have been sired by a vampire of a long-lost bloodline, one with the power of sanguimancy. But what is that? When Talon suggests they bridge him, Greyhand says Gabriel could be the most powerful of them all, and they need to talk to Khalid, the abbot and leader of the Silver Saints. Gabriel runs away before learning anything else. Dude, you stay and you keep listening. Yeah. They are going to put you on the bridge. They're yeah. going to kill you. Yeah. You keep listening. It's an important conversation. You need you, you need to hear it. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck is sanguimancy? <laughs> he should be going for a dictionary if he's going to go anywhere. Oh. Oh, but hey. <laughs> speaking of. Speaking. Speaking of. That night, Gabriel sneaks out of the barracks, through the privy, and to the library where he meets Astrid properly for the first time. Yay, libraries. Yay, libraries. (laughs) He learns that she's a bastard daughter of the Emperor, and therefore a queen, but she was sent off to a nunnery. It's always the story, isn't it? It is. She's looking for information on the start of Deer's death, but after some flirting, she's now looking for information on the fifth bloodline too. Gabriel leaves his punishment for abandoning Greyhand. He's got to shovel some shit. With plans <laughs> to meet Astrid in the library again. Libraries bring people together. Yay! After weeks of training and shoveling and meeting in the library, one day Gabriel is in training and is set to a tournament. He beats everyone until Greyhand stops him from fighting with Decoste his rival, who was injured the night that he blood-boiled that vampire boy. Uh, They hate each other, but Greyhand won't let them fight. Back in the library that night, there is another person, Chloe, who Astrid has told about Gabriel and asked for her help in exchange for Gabriel's sword training. They fight for a while and then return to the books. But then they see a shooting star outside and know that they were destined to be here together this night. On his way back to the barracks, Gabriel spots Decoste, also sneaking back in. He hides to avoid that little jerk telling on him. When he gets to the stables, he greets Justice, his handsome horse, and starts to work, but is soon attacked by the vampire they captured weeks before, somehow released from the silver blood-draining contraption. She releases the wretcheds hanging in the horse stables to get the horses used to the monsters, and they all attack and set the stables on fire. Gabriel kills all three vampires and saves the horses as the stable boys come to work. Gabriel thinks that it was Decoste, that little coward. He set the woman loose to try and kill him. He's sent to the infirmary for a little bit and receives a letter from his sister Celine, who tells him all the news of home, basically that everyone's moving on without him. He writes to his mother, asking about his vampire father, and asks Astrid to send the letter for him. After this, he moves back to the story of the Grail. The Inquisitors he stole the horse from are after them now, and so the crew are hiding in the woods. They talk of his sword, and how there are songs sung about it. But when the minstrel, Bellamy, starts to sing the song himself, Gabriel threatens him, and so he stops. Can I just, at this point, like, 35, 36-year-old Gabriel is just the witcher? 
Yeah. And Bellamy is Bart. He's 32. He tells Dior many, many times he's only 32. <laughs> oh, that's right. He's that's not right. an old Excuse man. Me. He's Excuse 32. Me. I'm 30 fucking two. Excuse me. I'm sorry I said 35 or 36. That was terrible of me. I should have known. So disrespectful. I know. I'm so sorry. Sorry, Gabriel. I'm sorry. Okay, so they travel onward for a bit, and we learn that everyone can hear Gabriel talking to Ash Drinker, and that she is an enchanted sword. But we don't learn too much more about her just yet, other than the fact that she is currently singing disjointed lullabies to Gabriel. (laughs) God, I love Ash Drinker. They're on the run from the Inquisitors still, and have taken up refuge against the bitter snow in a church in a deserted town. Gabriel asks about Dior and if Chloe can trust that he knows where the Grail is, but she says she needs his trust too. And then the Wretcheds come. It's a good day. It's a good day. The Wretcheds are still a little ways away, so they make a plan to fight them off. Bellamy begins singing tales of Gabriel, the Black Lion, and Ashdrinker, and then they talk about where Ashdrinker came from. There are many stories and songs about her. What's he sung by Ash Drinker, actually? Mostly, yes. <laughs> but no one knows if any are true, and Gabriel constantly tells everyone to just shut the fuck up. So, <laughs> we still don't know about Ash Drinker. The wretched's come, and it's not a great battle. Gabriel kills many, and the others do too, but then Rafa, glowing silver with his holy faith, and Bellamy, with a torch, are overtaken. When Gabriel goes to help them, Dior gets overtaken as well. When the vampires bite him, they erupt in silver flame. Holy moly. As Gabriel kneels at the priest's side, Chloe pushes him out of the way and Dior comes over, healing the wounds with his own blood. What the fuck? What is going on? Holy shit. Fuck my face. Fuck my face. They're still very secretive about what just happened, but after the rest of the wretcheds are taken out, they all agree to tell Gabriel what the fuck is going on. About fucking time. It turns out Dior is the grail. Ah. The stories from long ago said that San Michon caught the Redeemer's blood in a chalice. But no, she caught something else, wink, wink, in her own chalice, wink, wink, and they had children. Sex. They had sex and made babies. They did. They made babies. But of course, this is blasphemy. (gasps) And it caused wars. The Redeemer would never lie with a lowly mortal. Well, lie he did. And now Dior is the last descendant, and his blood has the power of the Redeemer. I mean, in all due respect to the faith, the Redeemer may not have been lying. There's many, many, many positions he could have been in, and none of them were on his back. It's true. It's true. They could have been standing up, you know. Exactly. They could have been kneeling over. Mm -hmm. It's hard to say. It's hard to say exactly. Yeah. That night, the beautiful dark-haired vampire comes to see Gabriel and he lets her inside. Not long after this, Danton Voss and several thralls come rushing after the group. 
They flee toward a river and crash into it. But Dior can't swim and Gabriel has to go after him whilst killing thralls and fighting to keep Danton out of his mind. They manage to reach the shore, but Gabriel is pissed because Dior kept his jacket on despite pulling him under, claiming it's magic. Gabriel is also pissed because he lost his bandolier with most of his weapons and bombs and also his sanctus. Well, this isn't going to be good. No, that sanctus is really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in for some bad times. Yeah, yeah. Sanctus is, you know, going to keep him from, you know, meeting someone. Yeah, yeah. All right. After finally deciding to move on, despite losing nearly everything, the group heads to the holy grounds of San Guillaume, even though Chloe wants to go to Saint Michon and to the library there. Me well, too, Chloe. Me too. Yeah, every we all want to go there. We all want to go there because Saint Guillaume. Bad idea. Everyone there has been murdered, and there are corpses all over the place. And then the masked high vampire woman shows up, seeking Dior again, and just waltzes right through the gate. Apparently it's no longer hallowed ground on account of all the murder. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> Whoops. She and Gabriel have a vicious fight. Then Seisha and her mountain lion Phoebe join in. Then comes Chloe and Rafa, the priest. They manage to defeat her enough to make her retreat, which is difficult considering her blade is made from her own blood and can splatter and reform as she wills it. But luckily, it's stopped by Ash Drinker. After some mask breaking and some stabs, she bursts into moths again and leaves, warning them that Danton isn't far behind. Oh, great. They make a plan as fast as they can. They get the priest to bless new holy water and they make bombs and fire traps from the things they can scrounge. And then they come. The wretched swarm over the walls and attack, Danton just behind. The battle is awful and unfortunately, Rafa, Saucer and Phoebe and Bellamy all die. Horribly. Terribly. Horribly. Vividly. As Gabriel, Dior and Chloe jump off a ledge and into the river far below, Danton grabs Dior's magical coat. Chloe lets go of Gabriel's hand and falls, and Gabriel rips the coat, leaving it in Danton's grip, as he and Dior fall to the river below. Chloe is lost, and Gabriel drags Dior to the shore, his coat and shirt gone. But wait, there's more. He's got huge bandages wrapped around his chest. His wounds weren't that bad. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh those aren't oh. bandages. They're binders. He's not a she. He. he is a she. Oh. Fuck my face. Fuck my face. With that bombshell, it's time to travel back to when Gabriel is 15. And you just go, no, oh my no! god, keep telling this story. <laughs> Don't go back to the other story. I literally screamed. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think I sent you a picture just with the word "fuck" over the last you page. You did. <laughs> okay, Gabriel, Aaron DeCoste, Greyhand, and Talon are on another hunt, 
looking for an ancient vampire they called Lunqua, the raven child, also called Lore. She's been going from town to town, killing all the children, and now she's headed to Kost. The group goes to Aaron's mother's home, where her husband, the Baron, is having a party. They, minus Aaron, who goes back to his nobleman ways, pretend to be staff at the party and wait for her arrival. Aaron is shitty to Gabriel, as he always is, but he tells him that his stepfather found him trysting with a peasant and attacked, killing one and almost killing the other. That's the night he found out he was a pale blood because he survived the Baron's beating. After, Gabriel tells him he knows he set that one vampire free and tried to kill him because he saw him leaving the armory. But then, the raven arrives. The fight is dreadful, but somehow, thanks to Gabriel, all four Silver Saints survive. Aaron and Gabriel fight well together and almost have a sort of kinship. Brothers in arms, really. Really? Greyhand's Oh, don't arm. say brothers in arms. Yeah, because Greyhand, yeah, it's a bit more warm. Greyhand's sword arm gets ripped off. Oops. <laughs> one eyeball is popped and one ear is torn off. Yeesh times he's fine he's fine he's fine he's, fine. he's like but a he's... scratch <laughs> he's the knight he's the knight who keeps getting all of his limbs cut off <laughs> oh i'm not going to a monty python sketch Don't... right now no we can't we have no. so much more of this book to go we can't monty python in the middle of no it. that is replaying in my head though <laughs> it's just a scratch it's just a Talon fared a little better, and so did Aaron and Gabriel, though they'll all have scars. A highborn follower of the Raven was killed, and she almost was too, though she is the Voss bloodline and has hardened skin, so is difficult to kill. Making her hard to kill is the fact that she is a forever prince, just like Danton. Oh, shit. Coming out the woodworks here. Yeah. Oh, can I just say that I love that she is also called a prince? Loved it. Loved it. Using her powers to look into the minds of the Silver Saints, the vampire says something peculiar about Aaron and also something about Talon and a sister, Aoife, that was killed in the attack that almost killed Gabriel. Then she begins on Gabriel, telling him she can feel that he is drawn to her and to her blood and that they should kiss. As he's drawn in... He shoves a silver bomb into a gash in her throat and it explodes. Nice. <laughs> she still doesn't die. She's nice. not doing so hot. <laughs> Unfortunately, the Silver Saints were too late in getting to her and she already sent out ravens telling the Forever King plans and now he's on his way. Greyhand has a bird of his own, though, a falcon, and it kills one of the ravens. So at least they know what's coming for them. Yeah, <laughs> When they get back to Saint Michon, Gabriel is afraid that he's going to be kicked out because, of course, he broke lots of rules again. <laughs> but Aaron stands up for him and he gets to stay. Aaron is going to be fully sworn into the Brotherhood in the next few days, and Gabriel is jealous but proud of his new brother. Mm. He goes to the library to see Astrid and to see if he's gotten the letter back from his mother with information about his vampire father and the fifth bloodline. The letter is disappointing but does request that Gabriel come home to visit so she can tell him in person. 
Astrid and Chloe have been doing more research and found out that there truly is a fifth bloodline, but they don't know much about it yet. Only that the vampire was referred to as Faithless and that the page was written in disappearing ink that only shows up if you bleed on it. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. That can't be good. Yeah. Oof. On his way out of the library, Gabriel sees Aaron sneaking into the armory again. So he follows and finds Aaron and Baptiste, the blacksmith, making out. <gasps> the peculiar thing that Laura the Raven said was that Aaron is a boy lover. And it's true. Aaron attacks when he realizes Gabriel is outside, but Baptiste stops him, and then they all talk. Gabriel says he'll never tell anyone and that they should run away to be together. Oh, and you just swoon. Oh, their friendship and brotherhood is true now. <laughs> After, they go and get new silver tattoos and prepare for Aaron to be inducted. Oh, also, the Empress is coming to dinner, and they're going to make a plan to go after the Forever King. And honestly, it is not a very good plan at all. But the Silver Saints drink and celebrate the night before charging away into battle. Terrible plan. Terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. terrible. I just, I don't get it. Yeah. Gabriel sneaks out that night to see Astrid, full of drink and the fear that he won't live to see another day after the violent vampire battle that is to come. Astrid offers to help Gabriel figure out his fifth bloodline, blood boiling power, and they start making out and it gets heated and bloody. Before too much more than stroking and kissing below the belt. No, not below oh, the belt. It says no. below the habit because she's a habit nun. habit because she's a nun. <laughs> she's wearing a habit. <laughs> Whew. Whew. An alarm bell rings out. They leave the library and find everyone shouting lots of homophobic slurs. Talon caught Aaron and Baptiste and has plans to flee Aaron at the bridge and kick them both out of the Brotherhood, even though Aaron was to be sworn in the next day. <sighs> Greyhand stops the fleeing and locks them up instead. At this point, we rage because we, we love Aaron and Baptiste. We do. We hated Aaron. We hated but him. Now we but now him. we love him. Yes. And we've Gabe... always loved Baptiste. Yes, always. You always love Baptiste. Gabriel pleads with Greyhand to let Aaron join them in battle. But oh no, Gabriel isn't going. He's going to be left behind to guard San Michon because Greyhand is pissed at him and will never take him on a hunt again because, you know, all the terrible stuff that happened to him and, you know, like his arm getting ripped off and his eyeball popped and his ear getting ripped off. All of that. And because Gabriel never listens. <laughs> But, you know, Greyhand doesn't listen very well either. But he can't, especially now with one of his ears he's only, being ripped Because he's only got the one ear. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. They all go off to battle, and pissed, Gabriel is left in the war room and begins punching the walls. His blood flows away and to the letter that they recovered from Lore to the Forever King. And a secret message is revealed. <gasps> Lore knew they'd catch her and take one of her messages. It was all a trap. 
<gasps> the army is gonna march off to a battle that doesn't exist, and the Forever King is gonna slaughter everyone else. Oh no. Oh no. Gabriel runs to the library to tell Astrid and Chloe because they're the only ones who will believe the secret blood message. They decide to tell the prioress, who believes them immediately and sets Aaron and Baptiste free. They and a few other smiths and nuns and anyone else that they can scrounge up from who was left at San Michon set out to meet the Forever King. Oh god. It's a terrible, terrible plan. <laughs> this one's Basically, worse than the other one. <laughs> if there's been a plan made at San Michon, it's bad. It's terrible. Don't follow it. It's bad. No. No. It's so bad there's like twelve of them. They're, they're like sticks or something. They are. They're all And there's die. some of them with limps. I don't know. It's, it's terrible. It's bad. I think one of them might be a potato. I think one of them is a potato. <laughs> it's bad. Hmm. But it, this gets worse. No. Because Law is also there greeting her vampire father. Luckily, they are able to stop the horde of wretched that the Forever King brings with him and delay his takeover attempts with a massive avalanche and most everyone survives. Except the prioress and maybe a couple of others. Probably not the potato. The, pro- the potato, the potato was first to go. It's the unnamed NPCs. They're, yeah. they're gone. Yeah, they're But not so luckily, there's a terrible fight between the Prince of Forever, Law Voss, and Gabriel, in which Gabriel finds out that Law went to his hometown and killed everyone, including his little sister, Celine. No, not Celine. This, of course, fills him with rage and he needs to boil her blood and turn her to ash. This also, of course, pisses off the Forever King, who now has it in for Gabriel. You do not want to piss off the Forever King. No, you do not. You do not. And Gabriel has done it by blood boiling someone again. His favoured daughter. Yep. Dead. When the survivors get back to San Michon, they are followed shortly thereafter by Greyhand and Talon and everyone else. Empress Isabella gives Gabriel the title Chevalier, and now, as a knight of the Empress, tells him he'll be put in service soon. He asks the Empress to grant Astrid the ability to leave the sisterhood, which she agrees to, but reluctantly, because she is Astrid's stepmother, who was terrible to Astrid and her mother, and is the reason she got sent to Saint Michon in the first place. After this, Gabriel is inducted into the Brotherhood and is now a true Silver Saint. Aaron and Baptiste are banished, but not Blade. (laughs) Yay! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because they helped fend off the horde. You know, they're not killed. So that's it's that's good. good. That's good. That's good. As Aaron leaves, he tells Gabriel to watch out for Talon, that he felt him using his mind-reading abilities on him, which is totally against the rules of the Silver Saints, and is also how he and Baptiste were discovered. Oh. Oh, Talon, you son of a bitch. Oh. You son. Using this information, Gabriel lures Talon to the library in the restricted area where he and Astrid usually meet in secret. But surprise, surprise, it's only Gabriel there and Talon doesn't catch him doing anything wrong. If Talon tells anyone he knows of their trysts, 
then people will know that he's using his powers on his brothers. And also, Gabriel will reveal the fact that Talon has lost control over his bloodlust and has been killing sisters by drinking them. And he also got Aoife, the young sister who was killed the night of the vampire attacked. Pregnant. Oh, God. he killed her. Oh, God, he knocked her up. He is just breaking rule after rule after rule after rule. Yeah, he is. This pushes Talon into a frenzy and he tries to drain Gabriel. But luckily, Gabriel told Greyhound his plan and he comes to the rescue and kills Talon. (gasps) And none of us are sad because Talon is a jerk. Yeah, I'm not sad at all because he was awful. But... When we first met Talon, I really enjoyed him because he called Gabriel every cuss word combination possible. And it was Yeah, you sent me a message saying that Talon would probably be my favorite. And I got by this point, I was like, I mean, I edited it. I said you'll at least like what he says or something. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yes. I love the cursing. Yes. (laughs) But yikes, no one likes Talon. You can't make any decisions about anything when you're reading the book until you finish the book right. because you will change your mind seven times. Oh, yes. Oh, definitely you will. Oh. Gabriel's sent to the infirmary after this where he is met by Astrid, who isn't too happy about his asking for her permission to leave Saint Michonne. She doesn't want to leave because she'll lose him. And so the two declare their love for each other and have bitey, bloody sex in the infirmary. Keep it quiet. You don't know who's going to go past. I know. They keep up their meetings in secret for years and years, and Chevalier Gabriel slays a lot of high bloods and stops a lot of wars and earns the love and praise of people all over. Aw, he's a hero. Is that the end of the story? No, it's 22% of the way through. Yeah, we've only just started. This is the introduction. There were so many times where I was like, man, this will be a perfect ending to the story. Nope, there's literally 400 pages left to go. You have listened to 1% of the audiobook. God damn it. <laughs> we listened to like four hours of it and it was only 10%. I literally listened from 6 o'clock in the evening to 2 o'clock in the morning and it was still cool. Gabriel doesn't want to tell his part of the story any longer, but Jean-Francois insists he tell him what led to his banishment. Patience, he says. But the high blood won't have it. Patience, he says again. And then the vampire remembers that patience is Gabriel and Astrid's daughter's name. Only after Astrid gets pregnant does anyone realise they've been together all this time. And since it's part of the brotherhood and sisterhood that they are a part of requires celibacy, obviously they're both going to be banished. No punishment though, just banishment. No flaying. No flaying. But Gabriel can tell the grail story again. <sighs> Alright, back to the grail. <clears throat> Last we left this story, Gabriel and Dior plunged into the river after Danton killed all their friends, and we learned that Dior is a girl, not a boy. Gabriel asks why Dior would pretend to be a boy, and she tells him it's because she doesn't really have to hide, and that her magic coat helped. 
It wasn't really magic, but when wearing it, no sleazy guys hit on her, and no one told her to keep quiet. Yeah, Dior. Yeah, that's what we all want. It's completely relatable. (laughs) They talk about patience a little, and Dior explains that Gabriel will learn about what happens to girls as they grow into young women soon enough. They leave the freezing river, trudge through the snowy woods, and make it to a cave. Dior almost dead from the cold. Gabriel leaves Ash Drinker with Dior as he goes out for firewood and tells the sword to tell Dior's stories. And she does. She tells the the story of how to make mushroom soup. (laughs) It's a delightful story involving spices and mushrooms. It really is great. (laughs) I love Ash Drinker. I want Jay Kristoff's recipe for mushroom soup. Uh, yeah, and uh, potato bread. Yes. Fucking spuds. <laughs> Fucking potatoes. Just over and over and over again. Oh, he never wants to eat a potato again. Bless him. <laughs> that night, Gabriel awakens to a voice calling to him. He goes outside the cave and looks across the river to see the Astrid vampire. Hmm. They share their I love yous, and she tells him that if she can find him, so can Danton. But he'll be ready for him the next time they face each other. In the morning, he and Dior set off for a town. If he doesn't get Sanctus soon, he's probably going to eat Dior. Probably. He probably is. Yeah. They trudge through the snow and come to another river with a barge and get passage to their town. Gabriel is doing poorly with his thirst and starts getting pains from it. So Dior pickpockets some liquor from the captain to help. She offers her own blood, but oh no, that's a terrible idea. She also finds a man in the back of the boat dying from a broken leg. Gabriel tells her not to help because everyone on board will think she's a witch. But she secretly helps anyway. She's a witch! Burn the witch! 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 They arrive in the town and go to a seedier part of it, looking for a shop that Gabriel knows of. A place run by a blind old woman and a skeleton in a wig. <laughs> I'm just going to update my favourite characters again, sorry. Skeleton, skeleton in, in a wig. wig. Oh, the I Scully. <laughs> I know, that she's got Scully. Can you, can you please put a wig on her? I can't, I, Scully's visiting my mum's house this week no no okay the old woman has sanctus and all the supplies needed to make more but instead of money she wants blood for payment and not gabriel's she can tell there is something special about dior but gabriel's not willing to give any of her blood away even though dior is they leave the shop go to a flop house, and Gabriel curls into a ball of misery. Dior leaves, but comes back later with all the supplies from the shop. No, she didn't pay with her blood. She burgled them. That's okay, then. (laughs) As Gabriel starts cooking up his sanctus, the Inquisition bursts through the door. Oh. The family of the man Dior healed on the boat turned them in. Oh, goddammit. Damn it, Dior! You should have listened! No one suspects the Inquisition. (laughs) (laughs) Gabriel and Dior are beaten and taken to cells under the nunnery for torture. And it's bad. It's very bad. It is very, very gruesome and bad. 
Ja, ja. They waft Sanctus under Gabriel's nose and beat him with an iron-tipped whip. And who knows what terror is happening to Dior. Before the beating continues, there's a knock at the door from a quiet nun with urgent news from another Inquisitor. Except it's not a nun. It's Dior, who has murdered her captor and now both of Gabriel's with Ash Drinker. Good on you, Dior. She shoves the Sanctus pipe in Gabriel's mouth and they escape the church. They put on stolen nun habits and sneak away past all the soldiers who are running to help capture them. Gabriel grabs some supplies from a shop then they steal a boat and take off down the river. Ex- escapade after escapade. It's so good. I love that they put on nun habits. You know, the pictures in the book have these two characters and you can kind of see Dior being, you know, swamped by the nun habit and being able to do, to hide. But Gabriel! <laughs> Gabriel's fucking huge. We've gone back to the Monty Python cross-dressing. <laughs> all over again oh when they finally stop they have a heartfelt conversation about how they were each gonna leave the other but then decided not to because they are friends now and sometimes your friends are your family oh found family you know how much we love found family Dior apologizes for using her magic to heal the guy on the boat and for never listening to Gabriel when he's just trying to keep her safe. She tells a story about how she and a friend slash lover she had when she was younger robbed a minister that sexually assaulted the friend. The friend killed the minister and then he stabbed her back right before dying. Dior healed her friend, but she called her a witch and had her taken by the Inquisition. God damn it. That's when Chloe and the rest of the crew found her and saved her, and they've been on the run ever since. That story finished, Gabriel gives Dior a new dandy outfit he gathered then, and surprise of all surprises, Jezebel, Gabriel's horse that he burgled from the Inquisition not too long ago, and then ran away after Danton attacked the last time, comes trotting out of the woods. Yay! Yay, Jezebel! A little bit of good luck at last. Yes, oh God, no. (laughs) Well, they travel northward and cross a frozen river. Well, Dior and Jezebel cross. Gabriel, upon realising three wretched after them, tries to run and instead crashes through the ice. Damn it. Damn it. So close. The wretched disintegrates, thankfully, but Gabriel nearly drowns until Dior stabs him through the ice with Ash Drinker. Friends stab their friends with swords. Yes, they do. He punches through the ice, gut bleeding, cursing Dior for stabbing him. Really, really good curses. Yeah, really fun. And then he renames Jezebel Fortuna and continue on to Saint-Jean. Sometime later, still on their way through the frozen forest, Dior asks about patience and Gabriel gives a few details as she falls asleep. Astrid calls to Gabriel then, and they make out a little. Astrid begs Gabriel for blood, and when he turns her away, needing to, you know, keep his strength, she gets upset that Gabriel is working so hard for Dior, who isn't even his family. She tells him to remember why he left her and their daughter. But then Dior comes up, and they continue on. 
they're soon chased by terrifying creatures that they can't even comprehend until they fall over a gorge. Womp womp. Gabriel shields Dior's body as they fall, and his leg breaks in two. But Fortuna doesn't survive the tumble. Should have left on him with Jezebel. Dior is unconscious, but still breathing. So Gabriel sets his leg, cuts open Fortuna's belly, and shoves Dior inside for warmth. Tauntauned. She got tauntauned. She got tauntauned. After Sanctus has time to heal Gabriel's leg, they set off again and finally make it to their next destination, Chateau Aveline, where Aaron and Baptiste have made their home. They are welcomed mm. with love and hugs and tears of joy, and it's wonderful and we love it. Mm. But I suspect it's not going to last long. No. Everyone should know by now. Nothing good comes of any joy. No. But they dance and they feast. And it gets to be too much for Gabriel. This is where he and Astrid fled after they were kicked out of Saint-Michon. This is where they were married. This is where Patience was born. Mm. He leaves the feast and goes to the cathedral to reflect, but Aaron follows. They have a conversation about believing in the Redeemer and how he can allow so many terrible things to happen and still be worshipped. Aaron says it doesn't matter what you believe in as long as you believe in something. And then the alarm bells ring. (sighs) Can't have anything nice. Danton has arrived. And he's not alone. (sighs) He announces to everyone at the castle that he will allow them one night to hand over Dior. But he and his brood of wretcheds and highbloods will attack if they don't give her up. Of course, everyone is angry at Gabriel and Dior for bringing this tragedy to them. But all Gabriel wants is for Dior to be safe. She, of course, wants to leave and keep everyone else safe. She gets angry at Gabriel for being so stubborn. And then she reveals she knows about Astrid and Patience. Astrid, by the way, is currently floating outside the window, talking inside Gabriel's head. She knows why he left them at home to come after the Forever King. Dior finally breaks him down and gets him to tell the story. But to speak it will make it real. Gabriel and his little family moved to a lighthouse surrounded by water to keep safe from vampires. Gabriel stopped fighting, stopped taking Sanctus, and had finally begun to live his life. One night, Patience stayed outside after dark picking flowers for the dinner table, and Fabian Voss, the Forever King, brought her inside. He was angry with Gabriel, not just for killing his daughter, Law but for retreating and living a life away from battle. He was sad at the thought of losing an enemy that was actually worth fighting. So he came to settle a vendetta and killed Patience. Gabriel and Astrid both attacked, but it was no use. Ashdrinker shattered against the vampire's neck. Then, unfazed, he threw Gabriel through the floor and down into the cellar. When he woke up, 
Astrid's body was next to him, but she wasn't just dead. She had become a vampire. Gabriel burned the house down, leaving his family forever at home. Oh, and um, Astrid, she's not at the window. She's only inside Gabriel's head. And it's it's tragic. It's awful. It is aptly named the worst day. The worst day. The worst day. After this story, Gabriel convinces Dior to rest for the night and to stay with him and to stay safe. He gets Aaron and Baptiste to put guards at her door and they promise to fight rather than give Dior up. Of course, she immediately sneaks out through the window. She steals some dogs and a sled and sets off down the frozen river towards Saint Michon. And all of the vampires follow. (laughs) Gabriel realizes not too long after and rushes to catch up. Luckily, the sun hasn't yet set, making the vampires slightly slower, so Gabriel is able to track them all down. As the sun sets, the vampires speed up and grab at Dior. Then she sets off huge bombs and cuts herself free from the sled. The bombs kill a lot of vampires and explode the ice covering the river, causing many more to fall in and die. It's a great plan. It was. It's the first good plan that has ever happened. Yeah. But now Dior is being dragged by dogs and the remaining high bloods are catching up. Damn it. Yeah. Then she crashes into a snowdrift and a high blood grabs her. Bloody from the crash, Dior places her hands on the vampire's face and he burns. Yes, he does. Oh, yeah. Soon, Danton and several others are upon them. Gabriel grabs Dior's hand, realizing that he will do anything to protect her because he believes in her. And then his tattoos flare bright. Not silver, like they used to be when he was a silver saint fighting for and believing in the Redeemer, but a bright, blinding red. They stand together, ten against two. But then it's three. The mysterious, masked, moth-bursting vampire shows up again and offers to help. The three battle and then Danton gets pissed. He sends all his minions to fight Lyothe, the red moth vampire, while he charges Gabriel. They fight and they're pretty well matched. But then Ash Drinker gets stuck in Danton's shoulder and then he flings her away and pins Gabriel to the ground. Just as he's about to place the death blow, Gabriel trying to reach for Danton's neck to boil his blood, Dior comes up and shoves Ash Drinker, covered with her own holy blood, through his chest. Second best plan of the evening. Yes. Danton staggers up and his wounds begin to smolder. Then Dior slices his throat. Danton Voss, the forever prince, is dead. Oh, yes. 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 So good. Gabriel and Dior turn to see Liathe fighting the other Highbloods, one against ten. And then they hear a Silver Saint battle cry. Greyhand, grizzled and old now, remember still arm missing and eyeball popped and ear ripped off. (laughs) He comes (laughs) rushing up with some of Gabriel's old cohorts and Chloe. (gasps) The Highbloods, realizing Danton is dead and that their battle might not be so easy to win now, flee. 
Meathe asks Dior to come, that they will keep her safe. But no way! The Silver Saints are here, and Chloe! And now, with Dior, they can end Day's death! <gasps> Yay! They can go safely back to Saint Michon. And so they do. Oh, and it's a great ending to the book! <gasps> no! no! There's no! still 400 pages to go. No. no, it's less than 400. It's 200 now. This entire book to go. After being excited to get to Saint Michel, they prepare for the rite that will bring back the day. They have mass, but Gabriel refuses to go, and then he and Greyhand get into a fight. It starts with how Greyhand kicked him and Astrid and Aaron and Baptiste out, and how Gabriel could have been the best of them all. But he got Astrid pregnant instead. Gabriel yells about how he's done so much for the Empire, but Greyhand gives him no credit. Then Greyhand yells back at him about wanting credit for his sacrifices when this young girl is about to give her blood to bring back the day. And then Gabriel realises they're going to sacrifice Dior. Fuck. Yeah. When Gabriel asks if Chloe is aware of their plans, Greyhand reveals that it was Chloe's idea. Fuck. Fuck my face. Fuck my she face. found this right in the ancient book in the library. <sighs> Gabriel fights Greyhand and all his old brothers who come to Greyhand's aid, trying to get to Dior, but they best him. They tie Gabriel to the wheel at the bridge for the red right, although he's not willingly ending his own life. They're murdering him. It's murder. They go through the same steps that Gabriel witnessed when he first came to Saint Michon all those years ago. Symbolic lashings and burnings, and then they slash his throat, and he tumbles toward the river below. The end? No. No! 150 no. pages left. No! That was like three pages. <laughs> He's caught by moths. No! <gasps> Lyothea, the masked vampire with the powers of sanguimancy, rescues Gabriel and heals his wounds with her blood. When he realises he's not dead, he's pissed because he swore he would never drink blood again after Astrid. Then Lyothea removes her mask and reveals herself to be... Gabriel's little sister, Celine, who he thought he found dead in the chapel after Lord Voss killed everyone in his hometown. Fuck my... No! That wasn't her. <laughs> Fuck my face. He's shocked. Obviously. Obviously. Because she's not an ancient vampire. She's still young. But she's so powerful. What? It doesn't and even make sense. It doesn't make any sense. And the law turned her. She has the same bloodline powers he does. Not the powers of the Voss line. She tells him there is much he does not understand. Same, Gabriel, same. There is also something she does not understand. Chloe is about to sacrifice Dior. Oh, we can't let that happen. We can't let that happen. Gabriel leaves his sister then to go into the cathedral on holy ground to get the grail, something Celine cannot do. He stops by the armory on the way and loads up with all sorts of bombs and swords and then he kicks down the church doors. He yells for them to let Dior go, but Chloe tries to finish the rite instead. Gabriel 
kills them all, including Greyhand by blood boiling and Chloe by a sword through her chest. Gabriel sets the ancient tome Chloe found the right inn on fire, and then he and Dior leave the cathedral to meet his sister. Mic drop. They are out of yep. Saint-Michon. Yep. Fuck it all. The interview with Jean-Francois ends here. For this night, at least. But there are still so many more stories to tell. Namely, the death of the Forever King, the loss of the Grail, Gabriel's travels with Lyothir, and the story of their blood. But those will have to wait till next time. Gabriel, of course, tries to kill Jean-Francois because that's what he does, <laughs> kills vampires. But he doesn't succeed. <laughs> to be fair, he's not putting a lot of effort in. He's like, shrug, I gotta try, come on. <laughs> shrug. <laughs> that will have to wait until next time. Gabriel looks down at the tattoos on his fingers. Patience. Patience. And now it's finally over. Ooh. For now. For now. Two more books to come. Yeah. So excited. Oh, so. Mm. God, I loved it so much. I, I, I want to go and reread it again. I know. Me too. Me too. And I did. I really, I reread a whole lot of it while I was writing this 88-page summary. I listened and read the book at the same time. I literally, yeah. it was like, yeah, I was like too. going back mm-hmm. to childhood. I had my earphones in. I sat and read the book and I did both at the same time. And it was so incredibly enjoyable yeah. that, yeah, it was an immersive experience. I highly recommend. I hugged the book when I finished. Literally oh, hugged it. Yeah. Right. I need a break because yes, I think fuck my needs a face. Break. That was fuck my face. That was an hour and a half. Yeah. I mean, we talked about a lot of stuff at the beginning that doesn't really count, so it might it might be an hour, an hour and fifteen. It's hard we'll to say. An hour. We'll see an it's hour. It's a long fucking time. We'll see. Let's have a break. Let meet us back in, do. Meet back in two minutes. Let us do seconds. have a break. Yes. After this. <laughs> After this. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guest and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast and now back to the show did everybody have a nice nap (laughs) yeah yeah i mean we needed to rest after that it was relentless yeah from page one to the end you, you you couldn't you were gasping for breath it just it was non-stop non-stop and then seriously the last Five percent of the book was just hit after hit after hit after surprise after surprise after surprise. And I'm like, oh my god! And also, you know, I was thinking like, oh, this would be a nice wrap up. You know, it's probably going to end here, and there's not much more to go. And then it was the last five percent, and I was like, why is this over? There needs to be more. Yeah. Why yeah. did it end? Yeah. 
you, that's the thing when you when you listen to a book and read it at the same time like I did and you get to the end of a story like a part of the story and you think oh this is going to end now in your ears but when you look at the book and go no nope. what the hell is rest nope there's 600 pages left yeah cuz the book itself is divided the whole book of empire of the vampire is divided into six books yes and then the books are divided into chapters and I didn't feel like I could read just a chapter or two. So You know, normally when you're tired on a night or you've got a few minutes, you think, I'll just read a chapter. No, it had to be the whole book or nothing. I couldn't. And I fought tiredness one night. And I know it was two o'clock in the morning. And I think I texted you mm-hmm. and you said, go to sleep, Claire. Why are you still <laughs> awake? I'm like, because I had to get to the end of this book. And you're like, oh, that's fair. Um <laughs> empathize sympathize now go to sleep um (laughs) and i had to i had to finish each book so for all the fact it's 27 hours worth of audio book narration i basically do in six parts because i couldn't stop but i will say interestingly as i was doing it in that method i was doing my usual thing of double speed and if you're not used to listening to an audiobook at double speed, if you try and read the book along with listening to it, double speed is about the same as if you were reading it to yourself. And yeah. it's a good introduction to being able to do an audiobook faster. Yeah. I I couldn't listen to this one at double speed because now the time that I have to listen to audiobooks is when I'm in the car on the yeah. way to work. And... Yeah. The audiobook was stellar. Oh. Fantastic. But there were so many accents that were great. It was wonderful. You know, I mean it's lots of French. But I I couldn't comprehend the accents at double speed while fighting road noise. Yeah. I guess so. I I, uh, I listened to it at 1.8, sometimes 1.6, and I did start out listening to it with my husband, so we had to we had to back it to 1.6 for that. Yeah, but it was I, so, I get that. I think so that's where good. it was easier to read along with the book because the French Jean Francois in particular had <laughs> a very um, strong French accent. He <laughs> did. And but it was it was it was never referred to as family. It was always famille. Famille, yes. Yeah. So there was a lot of French and there was a lot of we. Oui. Yes. Um. So there's a lot of Frenchism in, even though it's not. It it it. You can. I mean, there's maps in the book. People, there's maps. In yeah, the there's book. maps in the there's book, and also, oh my god, all of the illustrations. Yeah. All yeah. of them. And it it's just beautiful. It is it a is. beautiful book, and I just oh, it's. My, I, I obviously have the UK version, and the yeah. UK version is illuminated and it's beautiful it is, and that it's is shiny. Lovely. And that if is I take lovely. the dust cover off, it's shiny and beautiful. And yeah, it's embossed. lovely. Mine's just plain black, and it's, the the spine is like has red text. I really, really wanted to win one of his arcs or one of his special editions because there's so many different special editions, and they were all amazing and everything is amazing and Damien Lynch is the narrator and he was amazing 
And yeah. the illustrator is Bon Orthwick, and she is amazing. And every, just everything, everything about this book is amazing. Um, you can't I did, go wrong listening or reading. You can't. No, you can't. You can't. And it's kind of like, um, you know how obsessed I am with The Dead House and yeah. the audiobook for The Dead House? Like, I mean, nothing compares to Elise Green. Sorry, everyone listening. But I think that's fair. This this is one of those books where it's like if you if you listen to it, you get certain things. And if you read it, you get other things. And so you just need to do both. You need to do all of them. Yeah. It's definitely one if I just listened to it, I would have finished the book, the audio book, and gone and bought the um, purchased the book to have on my yeah. shelf. I've done that for a few of, of the books that we've covered on the show where we've listened to a library copy and I have to own it. Yeah. I think the last one after that was uh, Sorcery of Thorns because I, I just adored, I adored the ebook, yeah. And it's now on my bookshelf. Um, yeah. Because um, I, ha- I have to have a physical copy to look at and think, oh, I love you, you're so pretty. Yeah. And I would have done exactly the same with this. It was just yeah. relentlessly fantastic and breathtaking. Yeah. The audiobook narrator reminded me a little bit of actually James Masters as an audiobook narrator. I can hear that. Um, not necessarily in the the voice itself, but just the way that it's you know just the way he's he's done it, like yeah. his intonations, and it it was it was a warm voice, and it yeah. perfect perfectly suited the character. Yes. Like if I was to read the, the physical copy now, it would be with Damien Lynch's voice in my head. Yeah, it was perfect, perfect yeah, casting. He did a great job. It was. I told my coworkers today that I almost regret this being my first book of the year because nothing else is going to compare. I I am worried. I mean, we have a lot of books on our TBR pile that we're going to cover this year. You know, there's a lot that haven't been out, hasn't been released yet. We're very excited yes. about a lot of books. Yes. But we've started so strong with this. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean... I, I guess this is a spoiler alert to everyone because this is our third episode of the year. Yes. And it was our first, like, fully completed book. I don't count Laura Olympus. Because I actually read Laura Olympus, like, eight times. Because <laughs> just flipping through and looking at all the illustrations and going, oh, look how pretty it is. I don't count that. Multiple no. read-throughs is fine, and it counts on Goodreads, but I don't count it as my first read for the year. I This one. First read of the year. No, I think Laura Olympus technically was my first cover-to-cover sit-down-and-read, but it was also my last read of 2021. Yeah. Um. But this one is the first book without... I say without pictures, it's illustrated. No, you're a liar. There's pictures. <laughs> Non-graphic novel book. Yeah. Yeah, this is the first one. And my God, I mean, starting off so strong. I, I wish I could give it more than five stars on Goodreads. It's it's phenomenal. It is absolutely yeah. phenomenal. I cannot wait. Complete insta-buys the next ones. Yep. It's, it's just amazing. The imagery is so strong. Now... <laughs> 
for me, as I was reading through it, and I was telling my husband, who was desperate to read it now, and now I've discussed it on the podcast, he, he has access to the book. Um, <laughs> I said, for me, and I was laughing about it as I was reading it, this is Interview with a Vampire, meets the Lord of the Rings, meets the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Um, there was yep. just so much strong imagery that reminded me of those books. Like, there's parts where they're going to uh, one of the monasteries, and this is when um, all of, like, Chloe and Raffi uh, and Saucy all die. And yes. do you remember in The Lord of the Rings where they're trying to cross um, Caradras and the, the the blizzard to... And, and that was yeah. that that was that was their journey yeah to the monastery but also that journey was repeated again when gabriel and aaron and baptiste go to face the forever king's army um and then set off the avalanche i was like yeah. okay there's lord of the rings also there's a lot of walking there's a lot of walking. There's a lot of walking. <laughs> and that is essentially what Lord of the Rings is. Like, yes. Battle of Helm's Deep was, you know, one of the monastery sieges when <laughs> Askiliath, the siege of Askiliath, was another image that came to mind, especially when the Chateau Aveline, um, when they do the preparations beforehand, that's what came to mind. Yeah. And you know when the Urukai steal Merry and Pippin and start to run to Isengard, <laughs> that kind of image as well was in my head for when Dior runs away with the sled. With the dog sled, I, yes. Yeah. Just it's not a direct lift. It's not, but it's the same feelings that I got. Was like you're you're trying to push, like. Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli forward to, to rescue Merry and Pippin. In this case, it's Gabriel. And you're trying, and Merry and Pippin are like at the front and you're trying to rescue them. And Dior, you're trying to push her and go, come on, you can do it. Just go, just go, run, run, run. And that was the Lord of the Rings imagery that kept coming into my mind. And yeah. Just the, you know, these, you know, the, the eye, lidless, wreathed in flame. I'm like, <sighs> the Forever King has eyes everywhere he yeah. is not sauron literal but you can imagine him having that kind of far reach yeah because having... i mean his his armies are everywhere and mm-hmm. he like each of his children have their own armies and they're like all just swarming the world yeah yeah see you, you completely get it and then obviously, the obvi- I mean, it's obvious interview with a vampire, but it's the other obvious. way around, sort of, where the vampire, <laughs> Christian Slater's in, uh, being interviewed yes. <laughs> by Brad yeah. Pitt. Yes. Um, <laughs> except played much better. And that's yeah. just, you know, obviously there. Um, yeah, but also, ob- like, I, we made a mistake and started watching The Witcher season two. While this was going on, I was like, oh my God, The Witcher, it's... Henry Cavill is Gabriel. He's wearing yeah. tight leather pants. Mm-hmm. Just give him some sil- some silver tattoos. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And there's like, you know, the Witcher has his. I don't know what it's called because I haven't read the. I haven't read the books. I've only watched the show, and I don't really super focus on the show very much when we watch it. But he like 
has a drug or something that he ingests and then like his eyes turn black and he's super strong and I'm like oh my god he's fucking taking Sanctus and mm-hmm. you know, like where are his fangs yeah <laughs> so I exactly it was, it's so like it's so epic mm-hmm. I mean the thing is though stuff like so like seeing the Da Vinci Code it's stop the spoiler of Dior being ear like ear the grill and be a girl yeah because if you've seen that movie or have any kind of um any awareness of the da vinci code or similar stories the grail always turns out to be the blood of christ or in this case the blood of the redeemer and you you don't have it as a boy you have it as a girl and you have it as a girl disguised as a boy because as dior fantastically put it boys are safer than girls yeah Boys don't get harassed like girls do. Yeah. That's why she has a magic cloak. And that section really rang true for me. I was like, yeah, any girl who's read that is going to be able to go. That is relatable. So yeah, thank give you. Give me my magic coat. Exactly. So thank you, Gia Christoph, for putting that in there because he is a male author who's going to have an outreach to a lot of more male readers. Yeah. And hopefully male reader will read that and go, oh, shit. Yeah. Is that really true? Because yes, yes, yeah. it is. Yes, it is. So yeah, things like you know that it it that didn't surprise me. You know, none see, of the... it did. It did surprise me because I've never watched or read the Da Vinci Code. So I was really? like, oh, I've never read you're... them. I've just watched them. But yeah. it's no, it's I've a never story I've them. heard before. I've never watched them because Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks is scary. I irrationally hate Tom Hanks. That is true. That is right. True. I, so I I won't ever I won't ever watch it. I don't care. But um. Yeah, so I didn't get that. I was surprised that Dior was a girl. I mean, not like, oh my god, it's a girl. Like, fuck oh, my face. Fuck my face. Yes. <laughs> I love how when that's written, it's each word is a sentence. And most of the time it's italicized. One word or all three. <laughs> I mean, fuck my face. It's everywhere. Fuck my face. I feel like we need to talk about, like, just parts of the book. We've been talking about the book as a whole. Yeah. But now we need to talk about parts of the actual <laughs> book. It's so difficult, isn't it, though? Cause... It is. It really, really is. Because, like, there were so many battles, and each battle was epic and amazing and you know, yeah, there's a terrible plan, but then Gabriel somehow saves the day or he boils someone's blood or someone gets stabbed or someone's arm gets ripped off or someone's eyeball gets popped. Like, so so many things. Or, or people die and then get brought back to life and then they immediately die for real. And you're like, why, why doesn't Dior bring them back? Why don't you bring them back to life? Can't. Dead. <laughs> They're dead. You didn't make it in time dead everyone's dead <laughs> chloe's death death and quotes. the fake death the where fake she, death where she jumped into the river when she let go of gabriel so gabriel could grab dior because Dior was more important i was like she's not dead Nah. where's the body and nah. even then because people can come back as vampires i'd be questioning yeah. if she's fully dead yeah. notice dead in the summary she was lost, not dead, because obviously she's not going to die. 
Exactly. And Until I was, I was the proper waiting. moment. Exactly. And that didn't surprise me either because comic books have ruined my expectations of people's deaths. Until I see a body, they're not yeah. dead. And even then, yeah. I'm suspicious. Yeah. So, yeah, that was very interesting. That was... that was. I was more surprised by Chloe being so willing to kill someone. Yes. Yeah, I did not love that Chloe is sacrificing Dior. Like, dude, if you're going to sacrifice someone, you got to tell them ahead of time. Yeah. You got to say, hey, hey, you know, uh, there's this, like, saying that everyone says all the time about how, like, a a human's going to bring about the end of day's death and, like, it's going to, you know, that's you. That's you. And in order to do it, we have to kill you. And Dior would be like, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, I can save the world. Yeah. And I think if Chloe had told Dior, Dior would probably have gone along with it. Agreed. Agreed. But she didn't. And that was the problem. No. That was a very big problem. Yeah. Dior's been lied to and mistreated so much in her 16 years. Yeah. That the only person who is being honest with her is treating like a person is Gabriel because he tells her to shut the fuck up all the time. Yes. And, you know, stop being stupid, you silly girl and all that kind of stuff. So the only person who's treating her with any respect is Gabriel. He hasn't lied to her. Yeah. And Chloe's been lying the entire time and that's a yeah. big deal. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. If Chloe had explained, I think Joe would have been, would have done it. I mean, I think they, like, probably could have figured out a way to do it while they were traveling. Because Chloe's read the book before. She knows that this right exists. And, yeah, you probably needed to be at Sam Michon because, like, that's <laughs> kind of an is. important thing, you know? It's also where the book is, so you need the book to be able to make sure you get the rights correct. Yeah, and it's also, you know... Sammy Sean, who, you know, it's the key case of the redeemer in the redeemer his, history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a place of power, isn't it? It is. It really so I is. get that. Oh, but... it's, it's so funny. It's a it's a place of power, and when they're approaching it, and Dior sees it for the first time, she says, "Fuck my face." Like, that's Gabriel's line, and now you're saying it. So good. Yes. I can't decide if I liked the siege at San... Did I, um, I apologise if I say this wrong. Guillaume? Guillaume. Saint-Guillaume. I don't know if I, I like the siege of Saint-Guillaume or the flight to Saint-Michon better for the high-stakes drama. Because at Saint-Guillaume, everybody dies. Yep. Viciously. Yep. Like, Phoebe is a lioness and takes an axe to the chest. Yes. Oh, that was so... That was I almost said heart-wrenching, but I don't want to say heart-wrenching because she took an axe to the chest. That's literally what it is. Pun not intended. Yeah. That was just devastating, the way that I... And it was... um, Saucy was, today is not my day to die. Yeah, bitch. It is. It is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And there's so much more to all of these characters in this crew... That yeah. if if we talked about 
each of these characters as much as they talked about them in the book. Like, we'd be here forever. Yeah. Do you know it was devastating at the Siege of Sun? Um, was um, Raffi when he's holding up his wheel, the, yes. the silver wheel, the sign of his faith, and there's bright holy lights coming out of it and keeping um, Danton Voss away. Yeah. And keeping them safe. Yeah. And Gabriel's like, if he keeps this up, we are safe. Yes. If he keeps his faith, we are safe. And then Danton just whispers and is at him and it's and breaks. He breaks the priest. Yeah, he's like and almost So bre- is it is it your faith? Like is it your faith that's doing this? What you know, what is it? Do you have the faith in the wheel? If I take your wheel, are you is your faith gonna protect you? And then Rafa just half a second of doubt and his light goes out and then it's like well you're dead yeah and it's it, your faith isn't in a trinket your faith is in you yeah. i mean look at look at the silver saints they literally are tattooed with silver which shines front back sides as armor to protect them against the vampires so a tiny little demonstration of your faith in this wheel emblem is tiny compared to what they do yeah so they're not it's not it's not the images i mean obviously the the tattoo images are all holy and have significance it's not that yeah and they're like the markings of the battles it. that they fought to earn them and like they're it's beautiful and they're all different and it's lovely exactly it's very personal like gabriel has the lion put on his chest because that's traditionally where they've put the family bloodline emblem yeah. and he takes it on from his mother knowing nothing of his vampiric father and that's amazing that is amazing that it's so like such a strong matriarchal display yeah but the priest just loses for a flicker of a second his, yep. his and then that's and it God. that's all it takes and then he comes back as a vampire and a yes. not very healthy one at all no and then they set him on fire so then but the flight to Sammy shop that was inspired by Dior using yeah. the explosives and getting rid of half of the at least of the, the horde amazing yeah. amazing yeah. oh but then it gets even better because after they had after Gabriel and Aaron had the conversation at Chateau Avalane and you know Gabriel's like how do you still believe in the Redeemer so much terrible stuff has happened you got banished because of the person that you love how can you still believe in the Redeemer and he's like well it doesn't matter it doesn't matter like what you believe in just that you believe in something and so you're like oh that's a really heavy line that is beautiful but then when Gabriel finally, like, you know, he's he's taken Dior, and Dior's like, and I don't want to say she's like a replacement for patience, but now, like, he's got this girl, and he has got to protect her, and he's got to keep her safe, and, like, he believes in her, and then his tattoos flare red. Yes. Like, first off, 
fuck my face. What fuck is that? My e- face. What does that what? even mean? We don't know. Why is he glowing red? No yeah. one knows. No. Questions. But he is. He's glowing red now. And it's just like he finally he finally believes in something and and it's beautiful. It's amazing. I don't think Dior is a replacement for patience. Dior thinks she's a replacement for patience. Right. She's She's not. She's a replacement for his faith. Because he's lo- he's been without it for so long and blames Voss, the forever king, blames the redeemer and the faith for the for the death of Astrid and patience. But Dior's not a replacement for Patience at all. She's a replacement for his faith. Yeah. She is what he believes in because he's seen it with his own eyes and he can protect it. Yeah. So, yes, I suppose in a certain respect, there is a paternal protection there. But I don't think it... His family is gone and now he has a new family and it's some... Like, he really loved his wife and daughter... And now, you know, he's he's got someone new that he can care for and love, and that's important to him. But why? Why is it red? Please, someone explain the sanguimancy. I'm hoping book two goes into the sanguimancy because I have so many questions. Like So many Lyophy. thoughts about the sanguimancy. Yes. His sister. His freaking sister is this badass fucking vampire and he thinks, oh, she's an ancient. She's She's been around for forever and nope. she's the like toughest, baddest vampire I've ever fought. No, she's my little sister and she's only been vampire for like Six months? How long has she been a vampire? Not long. eleven years. Because Lorelei things killed him after the um, after he defeated the Forever King's army with the avalanche. Yeah, she went and killed the mother and the sister while yep. he was still young. So she's only been a vampire for for only, no time at all. For no time, eleven to sixteen years. 16 years, probably. Yeah. But he says she's older than the Forever King. So what the hell is going through her blood, is in her blood? Yeah. So this is where I'm wondering, and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and say, Celine's identity being um, Lyothe is my surprise. That was my surprise. Yes. And it was in the last few pages of the book. I spent the entire book going, I don't know what my big surprise is going to be. And then, holy shit, fuck my face, smacked me right there. Yeah. It's the fact that Celine yeah. is Lyothe. So I'm really excited to find out what the hell. Because she displays sanguimancy to the nth degree. She can turn into blood moths. She can control her blood to turn it into weaponry and armour. So surely Gabriel can do that? The only common parent they have is their mother. I know. We don't know who his father is. We assume the sanguimancy came from him, but I don't think so. I don't think it did either. I don't think it did either. I and think... Celine's just vampiric person, the person who turned her into vampire, was a Voss. Yeah. So she, she should have, you know, steel skin. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, but they both display sangomancy. So what's the common denominator? Their mother. Yes. And there was so much secrecy in the beginning with their mother. And like she's like, something flows through your veins, but I, I don't know what it is. Something's flowing through you and I can't tell you what it is. I wonder, since ladies can't be pale bloods, they can't be silver saints. I wonder if that, she, like, she is, but because she's a woman, she didn't. She doesn't have any of these abilities, but she's passed it on to her children. Yes. Yes. So I'm, I think she's got the the blood of the fifth bloodline. Yes. Yeah. And it's not the father. Because well, remember, you know, they was, do it, they do say that their that his father was like a handsome blacksmith. Yeah. So what and if that's also, true? Maybe Baptiste knows him. <laughs> maybe it is Baptiste. No, oh, that would be no. amazing. Um, that would be but also weird. Describe the fifth very um, and very inappropriate. The fifth bloodline is described in the in the in the library in the restricted area is the faithless. Yes. So I'm wondering if it's got something to do. It's got to do. It's got to do with. Now, is it the faithless in terms of redeemer? Second bloodline. Because we don't. Because <laughs> there's the redeemer, but then there's you know the female bloodline that carried. Mm-hmm. The Grail, I might be jumping too much here and saying that there is actually going to turn out to be a, fam- a family relation. With Dior, you know, cousin of a sort. Yeah. Could it be that's gone down that route? But I don't think so. But there's certainly we've got to, we've got to remember there's a fifth vampiric bloodline that apparently died out, potentially because it's gone through the female line, not the male line. And the female yeah. line don't display the vampiric tendencies, but they do display, or at least the sanguomancy is what's passed on. Not yeah. So in Gabriel's case he has the vampire as past the father who's passed on the bloodlust and the fifth um, vampiric family magic passed on through his mother yeah that's what i'm thinking and she's always talking about you know you you're the lion you're the you're you are a lion you know better yeah, this to, is important to... it's important that you take on this name mm-hmm. as it was something like it's better to live one day as a, as a lion than fight, f- die one day as a lion than live the rest of your life as a lamb. Something yeah. along those Something lines. Something along those lines. So it's, it's, it's got to be his mother. It has to be. It has to be. And I can't imagine when, in the second book keeping that any more of a secret. We've got to yeah. have something. She wouldn't write it in a letter. No. And I wonder, did Lore see the letter that Gabriel sent to her and then she went and killed her for reasons? Because she wanted Gabriel to come back and talk to her in person to find out what was going on. So did Lore kill her for specific reasons? Potentially. I think the specific reasons was vengeance. Well, yes. We know that vendettas are very important to the Voss family. Yeah. 
Um, but I don't know if it was particularly that reason. Um, I don't. I don't know. Um, she, throughout, I just. I don't know. I just. I kept thinking his mother is hiding. His mother does not have to be there. She does not have to be dealing with a drunk blacksmith. No. At all. She. She could. She's. She is better. She's. She certainly seemed like an educated lady. Mm-hmm. Um. I think she's hiding, and we're going to have to find out who she's hiding from. Yeah. Whether she's hiding from Voss. But then I don't know how much Fabian Voss would have confronted Gabriel at his home if he knew that Gabriel had the powers of sanguimancy, or unless he knows that he doesn't have control over it. Because if Gabriel has even... A smidge of control the way that Lion there has, it's it, he's not going to be, you're not going to be able to stop him. No, I'm like terrified with glee at what he's going to become. It's going to be bloody relentless murder. Yeah, and I will gladly hold his cloak while he he does it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, he's got to take off his shirt so he can be silver clad, a.k.a. Red. Topless. <laughs> Red clad now. Yes. Yes. It's it's just crazy. Um, Talon. Fuck Talon, man. What the hell, you asshole. You absolute asshole. The fact that Gabriel had to watch Aoife cry for over an hour in the cathedral... And then when she left, she was she was murdered by Talon. Yeah. What a dickhead. So terrible. I will say I, th- I was convinced to cut uh, Aaron. Might have had something to do with Ether's death, even if it was just accidental. But then... Nope. Talon. It didn't feel right. Mm-mm. No. Talon, you a dick. Grey hand. Hey, guess what? You're also an asshole. Yeah. Oh, and there were so many times you think, oh, like when they when they show up after after the dog sledding, you know they they show up and they're there to help, and you're like, oh, Greyhand, yeah, he's gonna, oh no, oh no, he's terrible, he's murdering a child. Stop letting us down. Yeah, stop it. Honestly, it, it's at the point where I'm like, do 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 we want to save these people? I like. No. Aaron, I like Baptiste and Chateau Aveline that they've created this this lovely inclusive city. Yeah. It was warm, it was comforting, I liked it. Yeah. I like and Baptiste because is so... he's a dickhead as well. Yes. He's a lovable asshole. Yeah. But I I love I love that Baptiste is so smart and he's like rigged all the battlements with like explosives and there's all of this stuff all over the place and they take a tour and you know Dior steals some of it and blows up some vampires with it but I love that like they're prepared yeah they are prepared it, for a battle neither of them have rested on the laurels I mean Aaron says he, he regularly goes out on the hunt to keep his hand in and you know by the description he is ripped yeah. And Baptiste is taking a lot of advantage of that. So let's look out to Baptiste and Aaron. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. obviously Baptiste is keeping his hand in with his inventions and his creativity and he's, he's such an intelligent, 
but he's got this gorgeous sword as well. I like the way that he's like, no, I took a vow of celibacy against women and I don't love no woman. Yeah. Oh, I loved that. I loved oh, that. Like, oh, yeah. I was, That's, yes. That was Throw my that vow. Logic. That was my vow to love to love exactly. no women. Throw but... the logic in the face and neither of them are willing to let the other one no. take the fall for for their relationship. And no. oh, it was just so nice. I was like, yes. <sighs> this This feels good. I like it. Yeah. I like them and I'm going to cry when they die. Yep. Because they probably are. Because everybody else is. Everybody else dies. <gasps> Speaking of everybody dying. <laughs> so, like, we knew the whole time that Astrid was dead. You know, yeah. you know from the very beginning. They don't they don't specifically say that this sexy vampire that's floating around behind Gabriel. They don't specifically say that it is Astrid for a very long time. No. But you know, you know that it's Astrid. Yeah. But then she's not actually there. <laughs> she's in his head. Yeah. And I do want to ask if she's dead, who gave Gabriel the bloody blowjob? Was it just an imaginary blowjob? Because that's pretty visceral. It's got to have been in his head. Yeah. It, and, you know, it's it, it, it's the Pale Bloods version of a wet dream. Yes. But, like, but then you start thinking, okay, you know, this vampire, his, the love of his life is a vampire and she's following him. And there's... There's one time where he won't let her feed on him and she gets upset. But then you think, oh, okay, well, she's not real. So he's like stopping her from, you know, essentially like making him remember her again and take his focus off what he's doing because then he's thinking about his dead wife and his dead child. Yeah. And then you think, oh, God, she's like sucking away his soul. Yeah. And then you, then you like, want to cry. Uh, there was, there's one chapter that I really, really enjoyed. Um, it was a very short one called The Two Words. Mm. And a lot of that chapter was, you know, him inviting her in. Come in. That's two words. But then there were so many other two word things that me like have so much depth and meaning and it's really like a moving chapter and then after you read the worst day and then you go back and think about the two words chapter it's just your heart rips in two yeah it's it's devastating it's absolutely devastating I spent a lot of time thinking, you know it's Astrid and you know she's a vampire. Right. But I spent a lot of time thinking, it's Astrid, the love of his life, his wife. She's a vampire. She's following him around. He better not piss her off, otherwise she's going to go to the Forever King and grass on him, for want yeah. of a better phrase. Um, but maybe she's following him around to help him as much as that she can. And, you know, they're keeping their relationship alive as best as they can in the way that they can and the, 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 as it's changed and evolved. But yeah. then I was like, she's not even there. That she's in his head. And I didn't know which situation that I wanted. Right. 
I didn't know what would be best. And I thought, well, she's she she is not the Astrid he married. Something has happened to her. And Patience is always referred to as being at home. And you think, well, if Patience is at home, Astrid's following around. Well, who the hell's looking after Elena, eleven-year-old child? Yeah. Um. So she she's dead. She's in a grave somewhere. Yeah. But I just spent so much time trying to figure out what what's the deal with Astrid. Yeah. And I don't know what. I mean, we know she's in his head because he would not have let her exist as a vampire. That's not what she would have wanted. It's not what he's going to allow. Yeah. Um, and I just you do you do for me. I didn't know what was best. Yeah, because it's bad either way. It's, it's bad. all bad. All of it's terrible. There's there's no there's no sense of joy and there's very little sense of hope. There there's glimpses of it, glimpses of it now because Gabriel's being able to rescue Dior and they have that bond of friendship and trust. Yeah, but. You see that glimpse in Chateau Aveline with Baptiste and and Aaron and the, the you know the, the culture that they've created and you think oh there's something there, and you hope that's it but it is literally it's misnamed now it should be the bas the the bastion of last hope, the yeah. Chateau of last hope, yeah. like even Celine like Leanthe his sister. What's going to happen there? Because Gabriel doesn't want his sister to be a vampire. He doesn't want to be a leech, as he, you know, he calls them leeches. Yeah. He doesn't want that. So, and she's... But, like, we should have been trusting her the whole time. Because... The signs were there. He just the, refused to acknowledge them. Yeah, and she... When she appears, with her mask on, which, by the way, the reason why she wears a mask is awful. The bottom half of her face is gone. But when she shows up, she she tells Dior, like, come with us, which I like that she refers to herself as multiple people. Like, I don't know what's going on with that, but I'm really into it. Mm. You know, come with us. We'll keep you safe. And they're like, fuck, no, I'm not going with you, vampire. Get the fuck out of here. And, you know, and then stab her a bunch and, you know, punch her in the face. And then she bursts into moths and flies away. But every time she comes back, like, she doesn't really want to fight them. She's That's it. She's not attacking them. She's They're not. attacking her. She never, she never attacks them. And then she comes at the end when they're, it's Gabriel and Dior. And they're like, well, fuck. It's, you know, it's 10 against one. And then Dior's like, no, it's 10 against two because I'm here. And then she just whoops in of moths. And it's like, no, it's actually three. And then she's fighting everyone in the background and... All she's doing is helping the yeah. whole time. All she's doing is helping. So, you know, there's you got to trust her. You've got to trust her to an extent because at the same time she said, you need to trust me to, we need to get this done. I'm here to help. She's been attacked by them one too many times. That <laughs> she's, there has she's to be snap. some retribution. Yeah. I wonder if, and I, lo- I do agree, I love the fact that she refers to herself in the third person. I wonder if there's some kind of like, in a battle between Celine and Lyanthe. Maybe. Or maybe she's got this other, like, maybe there's more vampires who have the power of sanguimancy, and because it's, 
you know, a power of the blood, maybe it's like a shared thing. And we so they Egypt. are. Yeah. And I love, I love that she's, you know, bursting into moths and she's like, you know, literally nothing. Yeah. About your power. Like you've gone off, you know, fighting and killing people and I've been learning. And then she bursts I into want, moths again. I <laughs> want moths. the Anthea story. Me too. I I need her story. I I need Gabriel's trilogy to be done. I need that wrapped up. But I need Leanthe because she is the most out of all of the characters. She is the most intriguing. I need to know everything. I I love Celine. I love the Hellion. You know the, the girl yeah. who will not rest and will not let her mother know a day of peace. I yes. need to know everything. You know who was murdered while she was tumbling in the haystacks with Philippe. Yeah. I need yeah. I need that. I need to know her sort of resentments against her brother when he goes away and the fact he won't goddamn write to his goddamn mother. Write yeah. to your mother, Gabriel. Or her. She's or like, her. hey, I'm writing you all Just these letters. Communicate. Why didn't you write, yeah. write Just... something back to me? Gabriel's such a stereotype though, isn't he? He's like, boys don't write yeah. the letters the girls do. Yeah. So I need all of that and I need to know what the heck she's been doing yeah. for the past 16 years because, Wow. But also, we need to go back to the beginning and we need to know more about Jean-Francois and is it Margot, his creator? Yes. And she's the empress. Yes. Which we've not acknowledged at all. The fact that where's the emperor gone? Where's Isabella the empress gone? Who is Jean-Francois, the interviewer, the historian? Who is his empress? How did they capture Gabriel? Yeah. Did like, G- Gabriel let them capture him? I think, I mean, I, I'm 99% sure that he is in a vampire prison because the vampires have taken over the world and he killed the Forever King. So the vampires are ruling everything. Margot is an empress she is now the ruler because the Forever King is dead because Gabriel killed him and that's why he's in prison. Have you noticed that we don't have the surnames? The vampires are often referred to by their clans, by the the surnames like Fabian Voss, the Forever King, all his kindred kin are known as Voss. We don't know Jean Parti, anybody else's surname. I'm I'm pretty sure all the Vosses are dead. Yes. Yes. Gabriel Gabriel would accept nothing else because Fabian killed his daughter and his wife and the rest of them stood outside and watched. Yes, which was disgusting. So they're all dead. They need to go. Side note, Danton pulling up to the town in the carriage being pulled by the ghoulish wraith-style vampires beautiful imagery it was and the, then the he gets his arm a, cut off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy knows how to do do, do an entrance it's yes. amazing this yeah. entire book god i, I need I, I want this to be you know when netflix inevitably cancels the witcher because they only ever do shows till season three and then they cancel everything yeah can they Can pick, they this, pick up? this one up and it's a trilogy so you've got your three seasons there and then or HBO, because, you know, they're not afraid yeah. to show boobs and blood. No. 
it would be so good. It would. It needs to be done properly. It needs to be, you know, R-rated, and it's it's yeah. it's such a visual masterpiece in itself. It's amazing. Yeah. But there's so many questions, and I'm so excited to find out the answers. Yes. When can I put my pre-order in? Right. I need it. I need it now. I need to know what the title is. I need to know more about it. I need to speculate for hours about what is coming next. Yeah. I feel like this show has lasted hours now, but I feel like we need, once we have the release information for book two, we need to do a special speculation. Yeah, I think we're going to have to. I really, really would like to talk to Jay Kristoff about this. And... I, I hope that we will be able to. I hope mm. that we you know we can figure out a way to reach out to him. I just I, I I need to talk to him about it. Even just even just like you know when we <laughs> when we talk to Jackson Ford and we're like hey what's going to happen in the next book and then we stare at him to see what his face does. I just want to do that with Jay Kristoff. Yeah. Or like we say all of these things that we think are going to happen. Like I just want to watch, watch him. The Twitch. Watch for the facial tics, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm with you there, sister. Yeah. Um, Favorite you, characters? Yeah, I was about to say, like, you were talking about how you really like Celine. Mm. Celine's your favorite? Is Celine your favorite Hellion character? slash Lyothea, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Any version of that? Yeah, I mean, I do have others, but I think, you know, if I'm going to say one, it has to be her. Yeah. I agree. Probably. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Ash Drinker. Yes! Yes. Ashdrinker is like the deadliest comic relief. I just I love I love the sword so much. I love that there's a lot of times where she's telling stories or you know when when Gabriel is like, "Hey, I'm going to go keep watch." And he like shoves her in the ground and is like, "Tell Dior stories while I'm gone. Keep her awake." <laughs> Or when Dior is supposed to be on watch. Like, keep her awake. Tell her stories. But then, like, the worst day is also the worst day for Ash Drinker. Because she failed him. Yeah. You know, she shattered. And that's why she is often sharing recipes or saying lullabies. Or she has a stutter sometimes she's disjointed timeline she doesn't know yes she doesn't know what's going on but my god is she powerful she's traumatized i can't like do you think that she can be repaired that now you're going a bit too far into lord of the rings there (laughs) can we put her back together because she's sentient yeah i almost feel like if you've cut off an arm, you know you can't grow it back. What, unless you're, talent, unless you, you know, Greyhound never does. I was gonna say unless you're Danton, because Danton's arm does grow back. Yeah, but he's dead. Capital yeah. D. That's yeah. a bit different. There's, you know, magic yeah. involved. You know, Greyhound doesn't eye doesn't he unpop, did. and he no. doesn't suddenly get his arm. No, his his ear back. doesn't come back. No. no. God, but I loved, I loved, I loved Ash Drinker. I loved Ash Drinker. Yeah. Can you hug a sword? I mean, you probably shouldn't. No. But I really enjoyed when we first encounter Ash Drinker. Like, where did Lion's Claw go? 
What happened to his first sword? There's just so many questions. Yeah. And so now we come back and he's 30 fucking two. He's not that old. And he's got this sword and like, you, you go, is he talking to the sword? Is the sword talking to him? What is going on? And then, you know, you realize a little bit later that everyone can hear them talking. And then there's songs about Ash Drinker. And songs about Gabriel with Ash Drinker. And you're like, well, I want to know. Can Gabriel, can you please stop telling Bellamy to shut the fuck up for a second? Because I want to hear this song. <laughs> I want to know where Ash Drinker came from. I want to know where you found her. And was she in a stone and you had to pull her out? <laughs> was she at the bottom of a lake and you had to pull her out? <laughs> Is Are she you king actually... of the Britons? We need to, the public need to know. (laughs) Is this actually Excalibur? That's, that's something else that I really liked about this book, though, was, like, there's all of these stories and all of this lore that, like, you can tell is clearly, it's a representation of something else, like, the Redeemer and his son and the son dies on a wheel and they talk about like why would you make the wheel the representation of your church when it's what caused his death and it's like well hello this is Christianity yes and then the Inquisition comes you know like bloody Inquisition Inquisition. guys leave them alone stop it the Inquisition in some respects are worse than the Voss family they are they are. I don't they were, care that they Gabriel were getting, stole a horse from you and shot you in the back. No, they but were getting off. They were literally getting sexual gratification from the torture. Yeah. Speaking of weird sex things, at the beginning, <laughs> when Gabriel's like heavy petting with his girlfriend and then she's like, oh no, I'm having my blood. She's having her period. And yeah. he goes down on her yeah. and starts lapping it up. And I'm yeah. sorry, I was that was probably the more the grow out of all of the book. That was me going, Oh no. Yeah, oh that's no, just stop it. nasty. Oh, no, because oh, no. I, if, I mean I would be like, No, no, no. You don't need to go there right now, okay? Yuck. I don't feel comfortable right now. But she's like, Oh yeah, and he's like, Oh yeah, and his fangs come out and he bites her thighs. <laughs> what's more gross him going down on her when she's menstruating or the bloody blowjob menstrual blood the menstrual, menstrual blood, blood hands down disgusting nasty mm. plus I'm a really bad cramper like I faint because my cramps are so bad I can't be dealing with anything I cry uncontrollably doing the washing up when it's that time I'm ridiculous so I'd be like, dude, what you need to do is throw me a Mars bar and go away. I can't be dealing with this. Yeah, but like that that release that she's going to have is going to relieve some of her cramping. It's going to make her feel pretty. Well, yeah, for a couple of minutes. But really yeah. what I want is a hot water bottle, a cup of tea and a Mars bar. Yeah. And queer eye. Yeah, I don't want I say someone... all of this, but honestly, it's been years. So, yay, medication! Mm. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah, so that was gross and that was disgusting. Out of all the disgusting, horrendous acts of murder and mayhem, 
Yeah, that was... It was Gabriel going down on his girlfriend when she's on her period was just... That was That was the worst. That was nasty. Yeah. But then at least he, like, bit her. So it wasn't all menstrual blood he was enjoying. Well, exactly. I mean, they crossed the line into the other end, so that was fine. How did J. Christoph describe it? Blood smutty? Yes, blood smutty. Mm -hmm. It's bloody, it's smutty, it's blood smutty. Yeah, loved it. Yeah. Grossed by it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Grossed out by it in the best way. I feel like I I was going to say something and then I lost it. Oh, do you know what I thought in the very beginning? I was really, really hoping for Vampire Vampire Hunter. I mean, is he not? He's not. He's not a full vampire. He's he's a Dompier, technically. Technically, but he still need, I mean, he's he needs half vampire. Drink, he needs to drink blood like a vampire, quite. He doesn't need to drink it. If he doesn't, he goes into a blood rage. Yeah. So he's closer to being a vampire than not yeah. being a vampire. Yeah. Plus, we have the questionable female bloodline in his yeah. system. The so maybe he is, he is a vampire vampire hunter. Mm. He's the closest we've got to one. Yes. Leanthe. She is a vampire vampire she hunter. She is a vampire vampire hunter. Vampire vampire hunter. It's, it's what we've always hoped for. I'm just so happy. I know. And there's two more. <laughs> yeah. Um should 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 we move on? Should, I think should so. we should we play Would You Rather? Yeah. yeah God, there's on. so much more I want to talk about. I feel I like No. I feel like we need to do a part two. <laughs> yeah. We don't have time for a part two. We should have factored that. We need. We'll need to factor this in the um, books two and three. Yeah, we will. We will. Or we need to just, you know, pray to the Redeemer that we can talk to Jay Kristoff. Okay. I'm gonna bribe him. Yeah. I'll make sacrifices. Whatever it takes. But I anyway, have no, I I have no no moral com- no. compunction against that. So. No. All right. So would you rather? Would you rather time? It's time. It's time. We asked on social media, would you rather have steel strong skin, animal control, emotional manipulation, or extreme strength? So one of the powers of the four vampire houses. Not the fifth, because we don't know about sacrifice. Not the fifth one. Surprise! Shh. Surprise! There's a fifth one. On Facebook, Animal Control won with 57%. On Instagram, Animal Control won with 50%. On Twitter, Animal Control won with 45%. And on TikTok, Animal Control won with 40%. I love that everyone wants to control animals. I love it. So Dakota on Facebook says, control slash talk to animals. Shock. Shock. I could have the strength of a bear if I needed it, and I'm naturally good at manipulating emotions if I try. Well done. Plus, animals see slash hear things that others don't, and I could have moths do all my spying because everybody thinks that moth could be listening to me. <laughs> Laughy face. 
I love that then she came back and she said, my husband says manipulating emotions because he can control the world leaders and their populace slash army and then control the world so he wouldn't need the other stuff. <laughs> While she's spying with moths. Yes. That's, Which, that's oh my a God. formidable force. Hold on. The moth stuff. Yeah. Was really strange the dreamer to me. And then, and then I got lost in a um, whirlwind of every what happens to me every time I think about Strange the Dreamer. Oh no. But I can't talk about it because we're not talking about that and I'm not going to get lost. I'm not going to fall down and I'm not going to start daydreaming. Come on. Come on. Snap out of it. Snap out of it. Back in the room. Steve West. Blood smutty. Blood smutty. Blood smutty. Blood smutty. Yes. Yes, I'm sorry. Caitlin on Facebook says, definitely the ability to talk and control animals. So many possibilities and who needs friends when you have hawks and the weed blighted horse? I wish Caitlin's read this, right? Like, we need to talk to Caitlin. Caitlin, yeah. we need to know. We need to know how you feel after you listen to this episode. We need to know. Tell us your thoughts. Constance on Facebook says, I'd want to control emotions. Hey, she's not singing anymore. No, I'd want to control emotions. Imagine what all you could do with that power. Have people be happy to buy you things, pay for rent, get on a plane to anywhere. Possibilities are endless. So I'd probably be on the bad guy route by the sound of this, but I'm okay with that. And so are we, Constance. Use your powers for the dark side. We have cookies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can never say that. Oh, the Tourmaline Renegade. It's my favorite it Instagram handle. I, I have I have to hover over it to do the spell checks to separate the words off. <laughs> Do you want to do the Tourmaline Renegade then? Just because I love yes. their their name. The Tourmaline Renegade on Instagram says, Control and speak to animals. Oh, I'm so surprised, everyone. You could bring an army of beasts to a battle or be guarded by them at all times. And that mm. is true. But then Bre- you'd be sacrificing them. How do you feel about that? Oh. Mm. Bree Tart on Instagram said, Manipulation of all emotions. Then I can just find people with all the other abilities and make them do my bidding. You. Colonel and the Frog on Instagram said, I already speak to animals. It would be nice if they understood me. So she chooses manipulation of emotions. Imagine how many problems you could solve by calming people down. Mm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And L20Kev on Instagram said, for anyone who works in an office with lots of paper, will know why I'd pick steel strong skin. Bye-bye, nasty never healing paper cuts. Oh, Ooh, I totally just got chills thinking about paper cuts. Relatable. Oh. When your offices go paperless, it's like you think it's going to be terrible because I need to write stuff down, but no, you don't. It's amazing. Yeah. I also shared this one at the library. Yes. Which I share all of them at the library, but I don't always bring back comments because a lot of times they just answer with the one word, like which which would you rather have this one? They don't explain. But this time we did get lots of explanations. So someone chose strength because they'd love to be able to do things without guys' help. Also, strong heroes are the coolest, not Captain America though. Someone else said, as long as the rest of my body can handle the strength. <laughs> They're choosing super strength. I don't want their bones breaking because they can't handle the new load of my muscles. <laughs> but I also never have to worry about being jumped in an alley or something. Nice. 
Animals, for sure. I love them all. I would love to talk to them. Also get their help if needed. <laughs> and my favorite one was talk to animals so I could have a monkey rob a bank or cause a cattle rush that could murder someone. <laughs> this conversation also went on at the circulation desk and they were talking about monkeys robbing banks and the cattle rushes and then they were making coyotes steal farm tools <laughs> because you covet your neighbor's farm tools and it was just there was so much that was happening and all of it took place at the circulation desk at the public library i love my team <laughs> i cannot relate to that stealing farm tools because everybody wants their neighbor's farm tools <laughs> I really oh, loved it. I really, really anywho, loved it. That was amazing. Yeah. So what are you doing? I've really struggled with this one because like the majority of people, I thought, oh, animal control is lovely. But then that's really actually terrible because that's stealing free will from the animals. And animals, quite honestly, are better than people. Yes. So I'm going to go for emotional manipulation so I can then actually do the manipulation of the peers who deserve it. People. Yeah. Yeah. And especially at the moment in the current political climate, you know, like the UK is massively fucked when it comes to politics um, and the pandemic mm-hmm. and all this other shit that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. I will turn that power on to full blast. I will Jedi mind fuck everybody. Yes. And, you know, basically become empress of the world, bow down before me. Yeah. Beautiful and terrible as a dawn. Yes. So, yeah, I'll, I'll use it for good. And then, no. Yes. Set the world to rights and then do whatever the fuck you want afterward. Yes. What you doing? You can join me if you want. We can we can mean- on. I think that I am because, you know, what's what's the point of the steel strong skin? I mean, I'm not getting into fights every day. No. Same with the super strength. You know, what What am I going to do with it? Wear a cape? No. No, because no. I'm not a good guy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, go and, and save people with, you know, by punching other people in the face. Well, I might do that. I do like to punch people. In the well, face. yeah, but the thing is, though, you're just making yourself into Batman at that place, at that yeah. stage. You, yeah. You're doing it all illegally. So yeah. you're a vigilante, not a superhero. Yeah, okay. I might like the ability to talk to and control animals, but I wouldn't control them. I would really just, like, have an animal sidekick and go on adventures. Yeah. Or, you know, I could, like, stop, like, I could tell my cats to please stop scratching in the litter box in the middle of the night and waking me up. And they would be like, oh, yeah, okay. And then keep doing it because the cats. (laughs) We do it more (laughs) quietly. (laughs) Slowly. So you can't. Yeah. I don't know. So it's either animal control or manipulation of emotions. If you can control the animals, I'll do the emotional manipulation. And then I'll take we'll... over the world, and then you can come and join me in ruling everybody. Yeah, yeah because then I'll have the monkeys rob the banks. <laughs> You'll have the monkeys rob the banks. It might go a little bit Planet of the Apes. 
we'll, we'll address that concern as a co- that's yeah. future Claire Ooh, and Amanda's problem. Yes, yes, it is. All right, I like it. Let's team we up. We have a plan. Yes. Next question. All right. Would you rather have the blood boiling power of Sanguimancy or the blood sword power of Sanguimancy? Blood sword power of Sanguimancy because that is hella cool. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It was amazing. I I love, I love when they're fighting and people, like, they're all coming to attack her and her blood sword just, like, goes and then reforms right afterward and it comes back and starts attacking again. It just, like, blows into liquid again and then it comes back to a solid. It's amazing. She does it with maces as well. Yeah. Like, like but through people and like wraps them around with the weapon. Yeah, you can just create whatever weapon you choose and it liquefies and comes back. And I do I really like the blood boiling. Yes. Especially when he does it when he does it to Grey Hand. <sighs> I loved it. I loved it. Oh, satisfying. Yeah. Uh, but like as cool as it is, you have to get so close for it to have... Like, you have to be physically touching the person to boil their blood. Or currently, you do. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I would have to take blood sword, blood weaponry, just, you know, for the distance. I could have a blood bow and arrow and shoot blood arrows at you yeah. from far away if I chose to. I can imagine, because we don't actually say this, but when um, Gabriel buy, yeah, buys, <laughs> steals Dior, the dandy outfit. Yes. In the court, he hides a vial of his blood. Yes. Because he can sense his blood anywhere. Yes. And then at the end, everyone's like, what do you mean you can sense your own blood? Exactly. And then you're like, oh, so, there's another sanguinancy. What happens if you got somebody to drink your blood? Gone. You know? Oh, let's just explode that shit out of your body. Yeah. 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 I think, honestly, there's going to be, I hope, I hope, there's a stage where, say, I don't know, just one of the vampires, maybe Fabian Voss, the Forever King himself, drinks from Gabriel. <laughs> or Jean-Francois drinks from Gabriel. Just a small bat. And then he's got control. He's 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 in you. He is, he's yeah. there. And he's going to be able to snuff you out. I don't think Jean-Francois would do it because he knows he knows that there's something going on. He knows about the Sanguimancy because he's heard the stories. But yes. what if, but you're right, what if that is how the Forever King dies? I, I really need to think, I, th- I think we need to write some of this down so then when the next books come out, we can check things off. Yeah, or we can go, oh, fuck, how are we so wrong? <laughs> I might start a thread on this after we've published the, the episode on the Fictional Hangover Book Club and yeah. say, right, have you read it? This is going to be spoiler-filled. Yes. Put your thoughts and your 
your hopes and your, your dreams. Your hopes and dreams. Yeah. In here. Okay, next question. Would you rather live with Gabriel's teenage storyline or his 30s storyline? Because he's only 32. He's only 30 fucking two. <laughs> An old man. I don't know, because he goes on some adventures when he's a teenager. Mm-hmm. There's five years of his life that we only know that he's the, the black lion. He's the hero. Yeah, like, what's and he doing? I'm going to pick that time frame, by the way, so mm. that I know how he gets Ashbreaker and where Ashbreaker yeah. comes from. That is yeah. solely it. Yeah. Because otherwise, they're, they're terribly the ways. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to go the 30 fucking two storyline but future from this point on i'm gonna go book two storyline whatever <laughs> that happens to be are you in the cell sure he's gonna get out of that cell did he go out then the first one you had to try <laughs> shrug you know i had to do it you know i had to try to kill you jean-francois i'm not <laughs> And he said he's very French Gaelic way of saying, ah, wee, wee, wee. It is understandable. Yeah. Très bien. Très bien. Yeah, you know I had to do it. You know I did. We shall pick this up tomorrow night. (sighs) You asshole. (laughs) Mm. Okay. Next question? Yes. <laughs> Would you rather be tauntauned inside a dead horse or pinned under a frozen river? Oh. By a sword, P.S. Tauntauned inside a dead horse, as much as that's awful and gross and disgusting, the idea of being under the frozen river freaks the shit out of me. I, I, I mm. like if the I if you're underneath that ice shelf, can you get out? I think in this case, you're Gabriel. Fine, you're gonna get out. It's gonna suck, but yeah. I'm gonna go for Tonton inside a dead horse. Fortuna gave their life for me to be Tonton. Uh, uh-uh. I don't want to do that. I can't imagine the smell. I have problems with smells already. Well, that's why I, I have the advantage. It. I have a terrible sense of smell. Mm-mm. No, it's the smell that would do it for me. I can't. I can't. I think it would be strangely, morbidly... I'm not going to say palatable. I can't think of the right word. But you would get used to it after a little while. Ooh. I mean, you're unconscious. She's unconscious when she goes in and she wakes up screaming. So that would probably be what happens. Yeah. Mm. No, I'll be under the ice. I'll be under the ice and stabbed in the stomach and then <laughs> come out. Why did you stab me in the fucking stomach? <laughs> then yell. I'll yell at Dior for miles and miles about being stabbed. Fair. Yeah. Last question. God. Would you rather kill Greyhand or Chloe? Yes. Option C. Because yes. we are allowed option C. All of the above. All of the above. All of the above. Um, I think... 
I hate gray hand. I would rather call gray hand more than I would rather call Chloe. Because, you know, gray hand, they had this kind of like father and son relationship. But man, gray hand just kept fucking Gabriel over. So he he deserves to get boiled. And eyeballs yeah. popped and ears ripped off and, and arms yanked out. In Chloe, fairness, like... Gabriel never really had a firm father figure. So the fact that Greyhound was an absolute dick to him. Yeah. It's all he's ever known. And, like, Chloe kind of has, you know, the world's best interest in mind. She really she does. Just, she She's just went about fanatic. it the wrong way. She's a fanatic, and that's she dangerous. Is. It is. You know, out of the two of them, Chloe is more dangerous. She she is physically weaker and doesn't wield as much power as what Greyhand does, who is the abbot of the Silver Saints at this point. Yeah. But she is more dangerous for her fanaticism. Yeah. Whereas Greyhand is heavily disabled. Um, does he leave Saint-Michon much these days? Well, he did a little bit, but he had to bring his crew with him, you know, send his cronies. True. Do you know what, though? I think I'm probably more upset by Chloe's betrayal and lies than Greyhand's. I kind of expect it from Greyhand. So I'm going to go with Kill Chloe because, like I say, the fanaticism, I can't trust it. But, I mean, Greyhand's kind of the same about the Silver Saints, though. He is, but if you were to leave Saint Michon, it's kind of a problem solved situation. Yeah. Whereas All right, Chloe's well, not. You kill Chloe and I'll kill Greyhound and it'll be problem fine. Problem solved. There we go. Yeah. Okay, that's our option C. <laughs> yes. Alright. <sighs> Favorite final thought quote? Yes. The entire book? Yes. All the fucks. All the fucks. I I wrote some down. I'm not going to give them all because I wrote some some down. I, I wrote have, some down too. I have more. I have. I, I oh, was yeah. taking pictures as I was going through. Oh yeah. I have so many. So many. And I honestly don't think we can actually. We can do them all. Look, we're we're at like three hours now. Maybe close close to three hours. <laughs> we might as well just say whatever you want. If people are still listening, then they're really, really into it. That is true. That is true. Do you know what though? If you if if you are still listening to, it, thank you. Yes, thank you. First off, yeah. If, and if you are still listening and you are not a member of our Patreon, why don't you consider joining our Patreon to actually watch this? Um, it might be a bit more amusing because we're pulling some faces. We are. We are. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to go with Astrid first. Okay. Because Astrid, she, she's, she's my kind of character. Yeah. I'm no princess. I'm a fucking queen. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I want you to take this coin to the market and buy me a fuck to give. <laughs> yes. I say those that sort of variations all the time. 
What? She is an old bitch. Trust me, it takes a young bitch to spot one. <laughs> it turns out nuns' habits burn quite well. <laughs> Love when they're sneaking out in their habits. Fuck, I sighed. Fuck, Dior sighed. Fuck, I asked. Fuck, he nodded. <laughs> Such a good conversation. I have monstrous things to slay. Mm. Oh, sandsburgering, crack goggling, twat goblin! <laughs> oh, that's when we liked Talon. That's when we liked Talon. Horseshit, pig spunk, lunatic nonsense. <laughs> And my last one. Give someone the power to do anything they want and they'll do exactly that. Mm. Yes. Okay. What have you got? Who the fuck told you I was a hero? <laughs> oh, I love it. It's true. It's, it's true. so true. He's my favorite kind of character. He is not a hero, but he is a hero. Did you ever get an erection from talking about nuns? <laughs> the scene was chaos. Like a junk store had a drunken hate fuck with a lunatic asylum. <laughs> That's the store with the skeleton in the wig. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Okay, now I've got some more, you know, like, soul-touching ones. Yes. Yes. Your past is stone. Your future is clay. Make of it what you will. Mm. You And we can't not say hearts only bruise, they never break, because that was Astrid's line yes and also better to be a bastard than a fool yes yes and this one oh it's one of my favorite one of my favorite favorite parts of the book it matters not what you hold faith in but you must hold faith in something oh oh, oh. oh. There's also other such good ones as Aim Your Heart at the Fucking World. Yeah. And what I can tell you is the only heaven I found in all this hell was in the people I loved. Yes. Oh. Oh. There's one that I'm surprised that you didn't say, and I feel like we should say it at the same time together because I know it's your favorite quote. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> so many. <laughs> Fuck my, Fuck my face. face. <laughs> there was also the book quote as well. Oh, yes. Did you get that one? A life without books is a life not lived. <sighs> yes, that one spoke to our librarian souls. It really did. And I knew you were going to pull that one. Of course. I, I, I still took the picture, but I knew you would pull that one. Yeah, of course. So many good quotes. It's... it's it was ridiculous how yeah. I just 
No words. Just read Mm-mm. the book. Just read the book. The only word you really need for this one is fuck. He does the repetition as well. Well, true. He does the repetition of Steel was mother, Steel was father, Steel was friend. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Ash Breaker. Yeah. Oh. Oh, Ash Drinker, you blessed, lovely sword. We need oh, I want story. a talking sword. Why Me can't too. I have a talking sword? Oh, so good. All right. If you liked this, try this. Bear in mind, I don't know what your um, background information is beforehand. I don't read it. I don't look at it. I like right. to be surprised. Yes. And I sat and I was like, there's a book, I'm sure, where there's an absolute asshole. His lead character gives his first person perspective, retelling of the story, and you kind of get the whole life. But it's a book one. Right. Mm-hmm. It took me ages to remember what it was because I've read it ages ago. Mm-hmm. And it's Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. <laughs> oh! Oh! I'm surprised so, it wasn't Interview with the Vampire. Mm. <laughs> Plus <laughs> Name of the Wind. Plus Blood Smut. <laughs> you, nearly, you nearly got um, the Grey Friar, but I've recommended that like 16 million times. So, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. But it's a good book. But no, Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. I'm, I don't even know how many of the books in the King Killer Chronicle there is now, but there's a lot. A thousand. At least. Um, it's worth it's worth it. It's not a YA book. Well, neither is this one. That is true. And how often do I recommend YA, really? Never. So the summary's from Goodreads. And I apologise for pronouncing the name wrong because I say it, I've never heard it said out loud. Told in Kavoth's own voice, this is the tale of a magically gifted young man who grows to be the most notorious wizard his world has ever seen. The intimate narrative of his childhood and a troupe of travelling players, his years spent as near-feral orphan in a crime-ridden city, his daringly brazen yet successful bid to enter a legendary school of magic, and his life as a fugitive after the murder of a king form a gripping coming-of-age story unraveled in recent literature. And it's a high action story written with a poet's hand, apparently. The Name mm. of the Wind is a masterpiece that will transport readers into the body and mind of a wizard. I wouldn't necessarily say a poet's hand, but it's very beautifully written. Yeah. It is would you say book. that Jay Kristoff has a poet's hand? His is magic. I would say that he has a poet's hand that he cut off and then he used it to write. With. Yes, and put many, many swears in. And that's... Yeah. Do you know one of the things I love most about the book is the amount of swears because I do love a good swear as everybody knows. Yeah. Um, and it's just yeah, it was just so nice and so refreshing to read a book that is just full of curses. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. Um, What's your recommendation? So I really, really, I wanted, I wanted to recommend Nevernight because Nevernight is a great. It's so good. So good. The trilogy is stellar, and it's Jay Kristoff, and the story is wonderful, and it's full of cuss words, and it's perfect. But we've already talked about that on the show, but we might do it again because we it happened before in the before times. Mm-hmm. So we might have to talk about it again. You might need to read it because you really, 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 I really, 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 really
there's this little thing called a podcast. I know. And unless I, we I write prioritize. it in, unless we write it into the schedule, it's really hard for us to read other That's long, my plan epic for twenty twenty two is to get all the books that I want to read in the schedule, yeah. so it just saves me some time. Yes. <laughs> and the Nevernight series is one of these. And the all I ever really knew about the Nevernight series was your cosplayer, and that's all I ever needed to know about them until I read them. Yeah. Oh, it's really it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I almost I mean Empire is better. <gasps> you heard it here first, folks. That is a recommendation indeed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. That's not what I'm recommending, though. Even though I am, I'm totally <laughs> recommending it. Everyone, please go and listen to the audio, audio book too, especially because there are footnotes. And if you read the book, you're constantly flipping back and forth between the footnotes because the footnotes are at the end of each chapter, and it's hard to follow. But the audio seamlessly weaves them in, and the story is fantastic. But that's not what I'm recommending. I do like how with Snidey two recommendations we've done this week (laughs) i am recommending one that i read about i haven't read this story but it's called certain dark things by sylvia moreno garcia and i got this from tor.com so this is a story about a girl descended from aztec blood drinkers whose family comes under fire by a european clan encroaching on their territory As the last survivor of a hit, Atle, along with her bioengineered dog, finds herself in need of help in the neon streets of a reimagined noir Mexico City as she runs from shark-toothed mob monsters. (coughs) Wow. Unfortunately for her, vampires are illegal in Mexico City, and the cleaning crews and cops aren't about to let Adel keep a low profile. Come for the vampires, stay for the critique of colonization and police corruption. <laughs> Look, bioengineered dog and shark-toothed mob monsters? Yes. Plus vampires. Plus Neon Noir Mexico City. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so many things. So many great books. Um, I, I have, um, I'm a little bit sad right now, actually, because we haven't gotten a whole lot of indie spotlights. Oh, no. Yeah, you know, we, we started sharing the indie spotlights because we were getting we were getting a lot of emails, but like we started mentioning indie spotlights in every single episode, so I've I've like run out. Ooh. Well, if you've reached the stage and you do have any indie authors to recommend yeah. or know any indie authors, get them to drop us a line and we can pop them in our spotlight. Yeah, of course. Um but we are going to have our Indie Spotlight Month, which is going to be very lovely and amazing. Yes. So you've got that to look forward to. And we're going to pick our favorites that we've shared with you and actually, you know, talk about them more than just in this little tiny spotlight segment. Yeah. Yeah. So that that brings us to the end. 
That's oh, it. Well That's done it. for reaching the end. <laughs> yes, indeed. How long is this episode going to be? Just under three hours. Yeah, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sticking around to the end. Yes. Yep. All right. That's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time for Vampire Book Club as we discuss <laughs> Dead Until Dark by Charlene Harris. More vampires. Yay! <laughs> Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others, a rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>